Hello, everybody, and welcome to the grand final edition of the MPL Victoria Pod here on FNR Football Nation Radio. And Nick Devano and Lockie Flanagan here after what has been, it's only Tuesday, but it's felt like a week. You know that meme where it's, um, God, what is it? Is it Tintin? Yeah. You see where he's like, uh, the, the captain's like, gee, what a week. And it's like, Captain, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Well, it's only Tuesday. Not even, not even in our case. And it has been a massive week over the, the last, well, not a massive week, it's been a massive few days, as we said, has felt like a week uh, here in I mean, Fulton, just the last Victoria. 24 hours was enough. That's Absolutely. not even talking about the weekend of yep. semifinals. Absolutely. It? So we're going to ca- cover everything off. We've decided to go two hours today to ensure that we can cover off everything from the... It's- from the, the grand final this weekend between yes. South Melbourne and Oakley. Semi-finals last semi-finals week. Semi-finals last week. To then the venue decision, which we'll talk about off the top. To the gold medal night last night. To the fact that two coaches have been sacked at both Bentley and Altona yeah, Magic. The merry-go-round has yep. started and the with, season hasn't even finished. Yes, with uh, Nick Tolios and Savas Patekas, uh party. Obviously both been sacked from their respective co- uh, coaching positions in the last 24 well, hours. Well, sorry, the, Nick. I'm going I'm to correct you there on your... Sorry, choice okay, of words. Yeah, yeah, Bentley sorry. have decided to go to market. Go to market. And they've like, literally like put this applications piggy, out. They've yeah. decided to go to market. And they've literally today put out an application process for how to basically, if you want to apply and you have your A license, they're going full time with the manager as well. So they're, gonna, they're really handing mm. the keys to whoever it's going to be. But anyways, guys, uh, thank you so much for anyone that's joining here on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, uh, on the FNR app. We're sorry we're a little bit late today as well, but uh, today, obviously, on the show as well, we'll be joined by Brad Norton from oh. South Melbourne and Matt Fischini as well. It's almost the, 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 the fullback hour. It's, I think it's fair to say, Nick, this edition of the MPL Victoria podcast, we've had some big ones over the admittedly short stretch, the short lifespan, but yep. it's as big an NPL Victoria podcast as, well as, I'm sorry, as we've ever seen. I'm sorry. It is, and it I really think is. I think it just there was a, a few moments there where the magnitude of this particular episode was perhaps too big for uh for old the old streaming PC to handle. But we are we are back, we are live, yeah. we're ready to go, Nick. Well, let's get into it. Start let's start off again. Let's start mm. off with the grand final venue. Now, yesterday, Football Victoria announced that the double header grand final, uh, MPLW grand final, of course, the MPL Men's Victoria grand final between Calder and Bulleen Lions and South Melbourne and Oakley would take place at City Vista Recreation Reserve in Caroline Springs. Um, as you can imagine, it was met with intense backlash from all corners of the footballing public, not just in Victoria, but really around the country, at the decision to host these the, the, these two games at a much smaller and less accessible venue. In We're talking the other side of town for South Melbourne fans, for Oakley fans, for football fans. Caroline Springs is quite the journey for football fans coming from that part of town. Um, well, from where these clubs absolutely are based. based. And... As well, considering where previous grand finals have been hosted, the last grand finals, this last set of grand finals pre-COVID, this is the first lot of grand finals since 2019, were obviously at Amy Park when they used to have the triple headers with the promotion relegation playoff between MPL 1 and MPL 2. And there's also been grand finals at Lakeside in the past, um, you know, stretching all the way back. Uh, but FE went with the decision to take it out to literally take it take it well out west to City Vista. Um, as Joey Lynch kind of spoiled on Twitter, we did reach out to Football Victoria today and gave them the opportunity to come on the show today and basically explain, sort of explain the decision-making process behind choosing City Vista. Um, because again, as we said yesterday, it was met with a lot of backlash from all corners of the footballing public. 
um, in regards to it. And we'll get into why it really did in just a second. Not just from the venue, like as in like where the venue is, but everything else. But Football Victoria, um, I mean, we put the call out. And in the end, we didn't get over, we didn't get the the response obviously to get someone on today. So we do apologise. We weren't able to get someone on to kind of explain their side of it, but the call was made. Um, in the end, if anyone obviously is here today and wants to jump on the the show and have their say, unfortunately our talkback lines are down, but you can drop your Facebook comments in below uh, as well with comments on Twitch, <laughs> on Twitter. Can I you get can also? Can I sorry, get the, uh, no, just please, one more keep... thing as well. But of course, we're doing a bit of a first, a mm. bit of a new thing here. We've got what we what I'm what I've tried to coin with a bit of a you know tried to think how can we call this what we what can we call it, Loggy? Uh, a Zoom back. So we've dropped sure. the Zoom link. And we've said, if you want to join, you want to have your face here on the show and you want to have your say, you don't have to have your face. You have your audio only and have your say regarding uh, the, the grand final decision. You want to talk about the actual game. You want to talk about the gold medal night. You want to talk about Bentley's decisions and Altona's decisions to part ways with their managers or really anything to do with MPL Victoria. Well, Feel free to click on the link. It's all there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll pass you through to our producers at the back. They'll have a chat and we'll get you on and we'll have a bit of a... You have your say, because what we've heard is that radio stations around the country have been yeah. bombarded with people wanting to talk about the NPL Victoria Grand and Final. Look, Nick, we're already off to a, a pretty hot start. Uh, Mark Boric coming through in the, uh, the the live stream over on Twitter, and he says, if Bentley have gone to market, does that mean they are over the road at DFO looking for their new coach? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know Maybe. who works at DFO, what their coaching backgrounds are, but it's a good question. No, absolutely. Well, we will start off with the venue decision. Then we'll go into Bentley Greens mm. and Altona's Decisions to part with their respective managers. So let's go. Let's let's start off with it. When I saw the news, Lockie, I'm not going to lie. I was I was a bit shocked that they went with City Vista in the end. We heard rumbles about it could have been at City Vista, but it was kind of like really. For those that don't know, the City Vista complex. It is a very small complex. Um, you know, again. Great facilities for, obviously, a smaller club for the Caroline Springs, George Cross, uh, who obviously got promoted to MPL 3. Um, Western United were based out there and playing, uh, training out there before they moved to the hangar. But... Well, they're MPL 3. Yeah, so the MPL 3 were, were playing there as well. But the decision to take a game, the, the biggest game of the season there, to, for both respective leagues, with a ground that only caters to 283 seated people only, baffles me. Absolutely baffles me. There are a plethora of grounds that could probably accommodate for this a lot better in regards to, I mean, we saw Pave Yusuf on Twitter speaking about it, that Knight Stadium was there and ready to go. That seat's about well, 7,000. Knights was offered to was football offered, Victoria. Yep. Knights was there. Um, we've seen, obviously, Lakeside, but obviously there was potentially, well, probably a bit of a, a, a bit of a you know, I don't, I don't even want to say conflict of interest, but there might be to an extent because it is South Melbourne's home ground that they could have played there. Amy Park wasn't in the running, um, you know, obviously from previous years. They didn't go as well to Valley Park Event Centre. Obviously could have taken it to what was formerly known as ABD Stadium. But in the end, they went to Caroline Springs and they're taking it to a ground that, as we said, can only sit comfortably 283 people instead of grounds that can cater for up to six to 7,000 people, which we saw in 2016. Six to 7,000 people came in and, and watched South Melbourne and Oakley in that same grand final. It's not to say there will be six to 7,000 people at this game, but there is certainly going to be a lot more than 283 people coming to the game on Sunday. And I think there'd be a lot of people that would be also turned off from coming all the way to Caroline Springs because for these sets of fans, it is a long, long trek. 
Mm. And look, don't don't get me wrong. I I I do think that Georgie's is uh, is a really it's a good facility. It's an it's an excellent facility. Absolutely, like, we're not doubting that at all. Um, and you know, Georgie's are one of the club who clubs who are in the conversation for being part of the national second division. I'd actually be very supportive of them being involved. Their facility, the the bistro they've got available to them, the fact they've got two pitches there. There's a lot of really really good stuff uh, about that facility. And if there was a team from the west, if if Melbourne Knights say they didn't have their own stadium or Altona or St Albans had qualified for the grand final and they were looking for an elite venue that they could use for something like this, I would have no no qualms whatsoever. Not a single, not a single problem. Um, And I I just, I think the, yeah, the, the issue is more with the fact that a, we are used to, I guess, in Victoria, having a grand final that is played in a central location. But the fact that these are two, one team from the southeast and one team from south of the CB, CBD. And as well, the fact that these two sides... This is the bit where I really sort of struggle um, and it does make you wonder... Why disregarding the the suitability of, of of Georgie's as a as a venue or otherwise? This is not the first time these two sides have met in a grand, in grand final. final. We just they 2016, wasn't six it? Six years yeah, ago, yeah. It wasn't that many grand finals ago that, as you said, six or seven thousand people were there. It was the same teams, different players on both sides, of course, different situation, but it was the same teams. They played at Lakeside. You know who else played at Lakeside the year before? And, I, and I, look, if, if you're an Oakley fan or you're an Oakley player, I understand you, 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 you know, you, you might, you might have some your opposition. Yeah. It's, it's, it's natural. It's like when I'm not going to, you know, it's like when Victoria, non-Victorian teams come to well, play at the also, MCG it, in the grand final. You have the same things with the A-League men's, I mean, even A-League women's, when they have to play yeah. the, obviously the home team, but, but also they earn that right as well. But what I would say to, to this as well, and I spoke to someone who's a member of South who reminded me of this fact, not only have these two sides, and this is, yeah, like I said, the bit that really gets me, these two sides have played the grand final at Lakeside before. They have been there and done it without a problem. Yes, that result went the way of South. What happened the year before that, Nick? They played at Lakeside. Yep. It was Bentley Greens against South Melbourne. Bentley Greens won. won the grand final. Yeah, Bentley Greens won the grand final. And it's look, South is a location where it's very central. It's easy for supporters of these two clubs to get to. And it just wouldn't have, I think, nearly as much ill will um, as perhaps moving the first grand final, let's not forget as well, the first grand final in two years away from the heartlands of these clubs, away from the central venues that we are used to. I think that's where the the fundamental um, opposition to this decision really lies. And I think on those grounds alone, it's very justifiable to yeah, be asking ab- absolutely. questions. Absolutely. And I think the big thing is as well we spoke about it's the seating part of it. It's the accessibility. We had Taryn Hedo in the just before the show tweet to us saying, you know, can you guys please chat about the accessibility? Um yep, just getting the full thing up. So please talk about the accessibility, read the grand final. Makes me very hesitant to go knowing that it will be tough to get a seat and there'll be many more in that boat. And there are there are so many people in that boat because you've got to think about, you know, uh, accessibility for disabled, for older older people, mm. for kids as well. They're not going to want to stand for two hours plus if they've come for both grand finals, if they've come for a day out at the football. But also the other thing, Lockie, is 
Now, this is a thing I think that people might have forgotten. If someone said this on social media, um, please do you know forgive me if I bring this up. I don't have an issue with it being at Lakeside if it was to be there because I think South Melbourne have earned that right. If you finish first, you should be able to host the grand final on your home deck. Mm. I think that is totally fair enough. Like, that's, I think, a totally fair enough reason for South Melbourne to get extra incentive because it's on your home deck. You finish first, for God's sake. So you should have that opportunity to say, yeah, you know what, I want to host it on our home deck. And again, I would understand the opposition had the precedent not already been set in previous years that the grand final is okay to be played there. And in years where South have finished in the top end of the table. Like, uh, that's the bit I find yeah. find weird. Is that so, sort of um, backflip? What's changed between now and then that suddenly in 2022, the year of our Lord, Oakley and South Melbourne playing at Lakeside is now a problem when it wasn't before? What has happened between 2016 and 2022? Same clubs, mm. different players, like I said, that it makes it no longer uh, well, feasible to to play there. And I, one thing I do want to stress, um, which I don't want to get sort of lost in all of this, it's not just the, it's not just an NPL men's grand final being played here. We've got the NPLW well, grand yeah. final. And the important reason, and one of the reasons that's been put to me as to why a venue, and again, I'm not having an opinion one way or another here, I'm just stating what has been told to me, is that one of the reasons that Knights wasn't considered or used as a venue is because you need to have separate changing rooms for sure, the men's yeah. and the women's grand final. Now, once you add that in as a caveat, and rightly so, um, I think that's a, a justifiable thing. If you, obviously, you could time the grand final slightly differently. You could not have a double header, so yeah, the best possible venue in terms of seating and all that sort of can be used. Those are different questions, and we can talk about that. But that is the reason. So Knights couldn't be used because it doesn't have the availability for both men's and women's changes at the same time at the venue. That's the reason. Whether it's right or wrong, you yeah. can make your own and mind also, up. to add to that, Georgies do have the four change rooms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that that is one um, strength of Georgies, that they are, uh, they are a facility that do have that... Um, available to them. And I think that that's that's worth making absolutely clear as to why, you know, Knights have have lost out for for that reason. But yeah, the 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 seeding thing like we're making this decision to play at Georgie's to be um considerate and mindful of what the, the right thing to do, which is to allow separate changing rooms for different mm-hmm. teams. That's completely fine. But by facilitating that request but doing it in a way that allows uh, reduced seating capacity. Well, how you know? Are we also not being considerate considerate of other people who yeah. might be might find it difficult to attend if there isn't a seat for them at the grand final? It might be prohibitive for them. For yeah. example, I, I you know you've got to kind of look at it on on both sides of the coin, and I think. You know, if your logic for denying one grand final venue is that, well, we have to cater to everyone, and I agree that that is a a reasoning you should do, well, then actually you have to cater for everyone. And it's not just men and women. It's, you know, it's men, women uh, who are able-bodied, who are disabled. They all – you have to factor everyone in. Absolutely. And if that's the case, then – and you're not going to play it in Amy – because that's – the NRL has has got that booked and has already had that booked, I believe, for a while – Lakeside feels like, for me, yeah, feels like the, the obvious choice. It caters, if you really want to cater for everyone, Lakeside is a ground under your parameters of having a double header that, that caters for everyone. Every, it, may, it ticks every box except it frustrates a corner 
that say, well, we don't want to play at South Melbourne's home ground. But as I said, Lockie, they... It, it, this is the thing, right? Like, if they're going to use the home ground advantage thing, it's for me, it's it's still kind of redundant because, the, as you said, the precedent has been set, but South Melbourne have also earned the right. They've earned the right to host it for the men's grand final. For the women's grand final, it's still a neutral ground. It's still Calder and Boleyn at Lakeside. Doesn't, like, nothing, there's no sort of shenanigans going on with having that game there. It fits every little bit of criteria. You've got the social room. You've got the the, the facilities for, for fans. You've got two big grandstands available. You've got standing room available. You've got the change rooms. You've got the pitch. You've got the parking as well. The accessibility by public transport as well is a big thing. You can get on a tram and you're right, you basically get dropped off right outside the ground. It's not like it's hard to get to at all in the slightest and it makes for a good day out at the football but also you've got to take into consideration the other thing that's understand that that can that will irk some people as well is you look at the weather that's going to be on Sunday it's going to be raining it's going to be cold fans aren't going to want to stand out in the cold all day if they haven't got a seat undercover at Lakeside Majority of those seats are undercover. Yeah, I mean, they they are exposed to the wind. No, no, but I yeah, know, but rain. still, Lockie, but it's, rain is different. It's not the same. It still thing. is a deterrent. This is what you got to weigh up in everything. And for a grand final, there's a reason why it's called a bloody grand final. It's grand. You played at the best possible venue you can get it at. You don't try. You don't. You don't lowball it. You want to mm. play it at the best possible grand. We get the best, the most amount of people in to make it the biggest spectacle possible. This is your showpiece event yeah. and your first showpiece event in three years. This is the and we we spoke to Matt Fashini earlier today. This was a pre-recorded interview, and even he said it. You know, this is like you know we. This is the first grand final since COVID, and we're we're limiting the amount of people that can come in. Where you will get not just because some I saw some people on Twitter today saying, "Oh, South haven't been getting big crowds. They're not going to get anywhere near that." People underestimate the power of the theatre goer as well because there'll be a lot of pockets of of fans that will want to go because it's a grand final. People want to go because it's a hot ticket. People will say, yeah, you look, you know what? I want to go and I want to spend my Sunday at the football. You know, it's not clashing with anything else at that point. You know, there's no, there's no AFL finals. There's no other sort of sport that's really going on at that point. Off the top of my head, if someone, if there is, please do tell me. But at the same time, it's, it's a, Big opportunity that I think they've missed here. And look, this is not a knock on the, on Georgie's facilities as a whole. Because as we said, Lockie, it is a great facility. But for a grand final, I, I don't think this was the right decision at all. Now, it's, I, uh, uh, now, look, I don't know if it's too late to change it. But this is going to be met with, I think, it, the, the backlash is not just going to go away overnight in regards to this. And it's really, really disappointing, I think, personally, that we're not playing this at the best possible venue. And I think that we should be. That's that for me. That's the logic. And if you can get four change rooms, mm. you can go double header. I, I, I think you got to go with I it. I think as well is that that I think in some way City Vista is an unfortunate victim, not of being an adequate or you know up to code facility. It's just been redone. I'm telling you, it's it's a very good venue. Absolutely, but it's it's more a, a victim of not being Lakeside or not being Amy Park. And the other thing that I can't shake, Nick, and I know that different elements go into play of making any decision where you play a final. There's lots of stuff that goes into all of this. And look, I think, and it's easy for us to say on this podcast, the NPL Victoria of the NPLs around the country, probably the strongest. Maybe Absolutely. New South Wales is a competitor. Yeah. Queensland, you know, we take a lot of the players from there, but they are a strong, they're strong NPL. Don't Absolutely. Get me wrong. What, what have other NPLs done this season? What have they done? Well, NPL New South Wales NPL played New at Bank South West. Wales had theirs at Bank West. 
NPLSA. They're going to be playing their grand final this Friday night, uh, if if I'm if memory serves me correctly. It's at Service yeah. FM, which is a state football centre with its own purpose-built grandstand. It will have more than enough people. There might be some overflow, but it will have plenty of seats and, and, for those who need it. And if you haven't seen it, if you watch the Australia Cup, that is Adelaide City, Adelaide United game. That's where the game was at. So if you and want, it looks, if you, and it looked great on TV. Yeah. So, Georgie's is a great ground, but is it? At a semi-professional level, is it our premier Victorian footballing ground? I don't think it is. And, yeah. other, and other states have made different decisions. And I know that it's, it's easier when you've got, you've got a neutral stadium you can use and all that sort of stuff. But Lakeside, if you take away Amy Park, um, and no disrespect to the other NPL venues, but Lakeside, at a semi-professional level, it is the premier Footballing yep. venue, absolutely. It's the premier footballing venue outside of an A League stadium. Yeah, it is. It's well, an elite sporting facility. Like that's the, it's the number one thing about it all. It's an elite sporting facility. It's the home of Victorian athletics. It's the home of South Melbourne. It's been used for so many big events for such a long time. They've got everything you need there. It just like I. <sighs> Look, we can. It's like shouting into an echo chamber. We can go on all day about it. But also, but, is is but, there? You know, also, do do we? Yeah, you know, if the four change rooms is a, is a problem, do, do we need to lump both grand finals in into one? No, can we have I, I separate think days? We can have separate days. It, we had the pro rail playoff separate. We took that away from it. They were why separate things today. Oh, why, this season, yep, sorry. Why can't we have the women's grand final on a Saturday and the men's grand final on a Sunday? Or well, the women's grand final at a different venue earlier in the day on the Sunday and the men's at a different and, venue and on I, the Sunday. And to be clear, I'm not opposed to the, the doubleheader no. necessarily, but if your circumstances change, if you've got certain parameters that you have to fit, well, then maybe if you if you can't change the requirements then maybe you have to change the the, the format yeah absolutely maybe. why couldn't why couldn't they play one at night stadium and one at abd or valley park events center a different yeah why different. couldn't they do that why couldn't it be saturday afternoon for the girls saturday a uh, sunday afternoon for the boys why couldn't it just be just you you get you know you get as many people possible to it or if that wasn't feasible then choose the best ground for everyone and respectfully lakeside other than Amy Park, the ultimate ideal, but with far more prohibitive costs than alternative venues, was the ideal. It was, it was the Absolutely. ideal. Um, just having a look at some of the comments here, Lockie Alan McCormack coming through saying, can you ask FE how they expect old people and kids to stand around for two hours? Well, that's sort of the thing we posed, is that obviously not having enough seats is going to leave some people forced to stand around, or I don't know if you can bring your own chair, but... Still, it's not necessarily ideal. I don't know if you can bring in a bloody deck chair into the ground, but it's not ideal for anyone. Um, you know, we've had as well uh, Mark Sultana come through say the game is for everyone. We have held big games there, and again, and they have not, held they big have games. Had Western they've had United women's there and Western United played friendlies there and everything. Not discounting that. We've already said our bit about what we think about why we think the game should be at potentially a different venue. We're not discounting George's in any sense. But then also those are also... It's the seating. Uh, it's the seating. It's, uh, you know, with all due respect, I think the size, or at least we hope, the size of the NPL Victoria Grand Final will be larger than a Western United friendly. Will probably, hopefully, be, um, you know, larger than an A-League women's game as well. Again, perfectly fine um, and perfectly good venue for those things to, to you know, to, to be... <laughs> 
occurring in, but those are regular season games. They're pre-season games. This is the grand final. Like you, you, you hear people go on about it. It's, oh, it's the showpiece. It's the showpiece event. And again, it comes back to my earlier point. If this is the premier event, if this is the culmination of not just this season, but of the seasons that we've missed out on, is Georgie's the premier venue in the state? Absolutely. As good of a venue as it is, and I have been yeah. there, I don't think it's the premier venue in the state. state and I yeah. think most people would agree yeah, it's with the, that. It's the fact that... Every other year, this has been at the. We've spoken about Amy Park and obviously that being off limits, but Lakeside then being the second best and it not being used. And I think you could rattle off a few others that are ahead of that. And as we said, we understand the four change rooms and everything like that, but that's where you have to be flexible. I mean, if COVID taught us anything, Lockie, over the past two years, is fle- we need to be flexible. Like that, like flexibility, like there's this, this is not. Like, this is not a hard thing to do. Well, and, and it just requires, you know, some movement. It requires some extra bit of work just to say, you know what, we need to think on the spot and think on our toes uh, and think how we can make this work in a better way. And also as well, I think if I'm putting myself in the shoes of a of a South Melbourne fan or of a, a neutral fan who lives in, I don't know, Cheltenham, just as a random yeah. example... Um, I probably, if I was one of them, not only would I have liked the grand final to be somewhere else, but if it was put in a location or an area that doesn't work to me, isn't for my satisfaction, isn't one that I agree with necessarily, I wouldn't mind hearing about what were the actual... Because we've we've discussed the things this evening, but we're piecing together information we've gathered online from people we've spoken to and all that sort of stuff. It would be better for us to be able to be reading a statement right now from, that, from that FA, has yeah. explained the reasons well, that have led to this decision. And some of them, as we've mentioned, are perfectly justifiable. Yeah. Completely we, on board that, with that, them. That, that, that's but yeah. that is probably something that if you are going to make what is a radical change to where you host your grand final um, from what's preceded, you would think that that would come with some explanation to the masses. You know, if I was a South Melbourne fan, I'd want him to be here. I'd want to be hearing what's the process, what's the decision-making that's led to this. That's of what course. I want well, to hear as a well, fan. That's, well, that's why, clubs. obviously, we did put the call out to FE and we gave him the opportunity to come on the show today and say, this is why we chose it. This was the decision-making behind it. Pose the question as to, you know, sort of why why City Vista was chosen. Were there other venues in the reckoning? Why weren't they chosen? You know, all sorts of different questions to pose to them, but unfortunately, that sort of didn't come to pass. But Lockie... We will be joined by Brad Norton in just a couple of minutes as we start to focus on what's going to actually happen on the pitch. We can we can yell and scream and you know say a bit about the venue, but the game will still go ahead. Um, so Brad Norton will be joining us in just a second. But before we get to Brad Lockie, the other bit of big news that came before us on Sunday night, and we thought that would be one of the biggest, one of the only biggest news, and we'll get to it in, in just a moment. We'll go a bit more deeper into it. But obviously, if you've missed it. Bentley Greens have, quote-unquote, gone to market and parted ways with very successful coach Nick Tolios, who uh, won the A-League Men's... Cha- uh, A-League Men's... The, the MPL Championship wow, in... that would have been a bombshell. The MPL Victoria Championship in 2019, um, you know, Doherty Cup Championship this year. Uh, he's won, you know, all sorts of different accolades and everything else. Even at Kingston City did a very good job with them. And this season still made finals, um, riddled with injuries, you know, round of 16 in the Australia Cup. But 
parted ways at the end of this season. So Bentley deciding to go a different way. And, of course, Savas Patikas as well parting ways with Altona Magic. Um, wow. so we'll do a bit of merry-go-round chat we'll later, shall we? Just a second. Perfect. But right now we're being joined by Brad Norton, who's joining us to start to look ahead to Sunday afternoon. It's going to be a massive game between South Melbourne and Oakley. And Brad is, is giving us a bit of time to have a chat with him. Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, Brad, I guess it's been a big week so far. It's only we've said like it's felt like a week. It's only been a few days <laughs> since you played against uh, Green Gully. But I guess, you know, the, the takeaways from that win on Sunday, I mean, didn't come without a blow. Obviously, lost two players to injury, but you're through to the grand final nonetheless. Yeah, that's it. Sorry, I'm just moving as we as we do this. But yeah, absolutely. It was a um, it was a pretty remarkable game, to be honest. I mean, to get first of all, just to get to um, the semi final. You know, we've had a great year so far, but to to get there was was massive and and always difficult. And um, yeah, obviously, then to to win at home in front of you in front of our supporters was was big. So um, yeah, it came at a bit of a cost and something where we've. Uh, you know, got to put up with that now, getting into the grand final. But at the same time, we've um, yeah, we're we're happy to be there. Well, I mean, obviously the the result was good, but as you mentioned, Brad, it did come at uh, a bit of a personal cost. You know, losing some important players to injury, uh, Andy, and uh, of course we saw that pretty um pretty ho- horrible tackle um, that saw you know mm-hmm. Ben obviously um, have that that break of his fibula. He's had had surgery. Have you been keeping in touch with the boys? Uh, you know. Keeping up to date with uh, with how they're tracking, because yeah, particularly for for Ben, that's um yeah you know, someone who's had a bit of injury trouble before. It's a yeah, it's a pretty nasty one. Yeah, look, um, definitely uh, been in touch with both of them um, straight after the game. Yeah, you know Ben's one was uh, as you mentioned, and you guys have said it, a pretty pretty horrendous tackle um, and something where. You know, uh, it was pretty questionable. And I think it's, as you saw probably on the footage on the day, we were a bit unhappy about. Um, but in, in saying that, yeah, he's, he's now, it is what it is. And he's putting up with it. And, and we're right behind him. You know, he's a, he's a young kid and he's got plenty of, plenty of uh, football in front of him. So much potential and he's such a great player. So we're, yeah, hopefully getting back on the park shortly. But yeah, it's, um, early signs are that leg brace. So it's, it's not nice. And and Andy, obviously, you know, he's a, he's a great player for us. He's been a great player all season. He's, he's done some great things over the past few years, not just at our club, but elsewhere in the A-League as well. So it's, um, he's a massive loss and heading into a grand final, it's not something you want to, you know, go through and lose. But at the same time, um, yeah, I mean, we've got, we've got a great squad. We've got some great players and, and you know, the, the next two will step up and, and, and do the job that's required. I mean, Brad, you guys have stayed relatively injury-free all season, but on the eve of finals, you lose Harry Sawyer off to, to India, and now you've lost Ben and Andy. How much of a disruption is that? Like, how frustrating is it that you've lost three integral players at this stage of the season when you've been able to stay, like, compared to other teams, like like Oakley and Bentley, they've lost a, a plethora of players, but to lose two players, and, and including Harry, at this stage of the season, like right now, how does, does, yeah. that, does that sort of throw things out of whack a little bit? Oh, look, I mean, um, it's not nice. Mm. You, you, you know, you start a season with, with all your, you know, your players and, and you sign a team to, to, you know, work your way through the season and get to this point. But, um, you know, you've you, you, you got to deal with what's in front of you and, and it's unfortunate. But, I mean, it's great for, for people like Harry who's gone on and um, will go on and do some, some great things, hopefully, over in India. And uh, hopefully we get to see you maybe back in the 
in the blue and white one day. But um, in saying that, yeah, look, he's, he, I, we wish him the best and we still speak with him. So it's great for him. And like I said, it, it opens up opportunities for others. And um, that's what we'll be looking for this weekend. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a massive game. You, like I said at the start, you want to you play these um, or you, you you start playing soccer to get in these big games. And, and that's where you now. So we'll, um, yeah, we'll be giving everything. And whoever steps into those positions and those roles will be, I'm sure, um, ready and waiting for it. I guess the good thing for, for the squad as well, Brad, is that despite that, you know, departure of Harry where there was like a, a bit of nerves, oh, how is South going to go without Harrison Sawyer and all that, the results haven't haven't dissipated. They've continued. You guys got the win in the semi final, and particularly once you got the lead, we saw again that strong defence uh, come to the fore. How, how much um, of a, an advantage uh, is that tight defence going into a, a game like, um, like the grand final where, you know, Oakley have got such a, a prominent attack, but you and the rest of the other uh, back line have been uh, locking it down most of the time. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, I, I guess we're, we're, we've got pride in our um, defensive unit and that doesn't just start from the back four and, and Harvey in goal starts from up top. And um, as I've mentioned, and, you know, we're, we're still getting these results just from, from being able to be defensively solid throughout the whole whole team. So, um, yeah, I mean, you look across Oakley's forward line especially, but across their whole squad, they've got some talent and, you know, they can flick the switch and, and all of a sudden they've, you know, they're one, two, three, four nil up. Mm. So um, we know we have to be on. We know we have to be ready for it. Um, as I mentioned, you know, Ben Jibbo goes out, but Morgan, who came in last week, was was incredible and, and did his job. So defensively, we all, you know, we train for these moments. We train for the big games and um, we've been really defensively strong. So we'll be, you know, going in with that mindset to, to, to try and hold Oakley and their, and their talent out as much as we can. But in saying that, you know, it's about goals, these games. So you want to you try and win them. So we'll be, you know, um, trying to do our thing up the other end of the park as well. Well, Brad, it's no secret that, you know, it's been an amazing season for South Melbourne in terms of where South have been. And obviously you've been along the journey of the highs pre-2018 almost. And then the last few years have been tough. Obviously the the two years pre-COVID, then last season and whatever 2020 was as well. But Mm -hmm. seeing South back up there this year, I mean, right at the top where a club of this stature arguably belongs, how, how good is it just to see you guys back at that level because it has been some tough years but what as well have you seen change during this period of time un- under Esteban like what what have you seen this year that's really like what what, what has flicked like what switch has flicked this year that's made you guys such a formidable outfit once again yeah look I mean um it's been a couple of years of on and off football so um and we've been I guess in some ways lucky to you know get a coaching just before that period um keep the sort of core group from before that period so you know you spend a couple of years yeah okay it's probably not on the park where you want to be but off the park training together you know whether it's through um forums like this um just to just to you know be together so we've been able to do that we've been able to build a strong um foundation throughout the team um and i I guess as soon as we were able to start training again you know that melbourne city game last year we were able to start with that Mm. um but as soon as we're able to start training again we you know the boys already felt like pretty much we're all you know 
quite that close unit. So because we've been training. So um, yeah, look, I mean, in, in terms of what Esteban instills into us, you know, he instills that that teamwork, that camaraderie. Um, that unity that I guess is, is is showing on the park, and you know, not to say that we haven't had that in the past, but um, I think this year especially, you know, you get a couple of good results early on the park, and you know, some clean sheets, some 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 good away wins, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and and all of a sudden, and the confidence starts to build, and you know, we had that, and and like I said, defensively, we try and pride ourselves on that, and I think that's really held us in some some great stead moving now into a into a grand final. Brad, I want to ask you about Max Mikola because he play on the well, he sort of drifts across and everything like that. But when he's on your side, you don't need to worry about taking throw-ins anymore. Does that? Uh, what was your first reaction? We had a comment about you know what was your first reaction when you saw him just launch an absolute cannon into the box. I mean, what what are your thoughts on it? Have you seen how much of an effective weapon it's been for you guys this season as well? Yeah, the, the guy's this small, and he's 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 able to throw a ball further than what what I can almost kick it. So he's um, yeah, look, he's 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 a he's a great player. He's a young talent. Um, deserves to be looked at by 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 clubs all around Australia because of, because of what he he can bring to the table. But no, look, I mean, it's um, you know, I think back to you know the the, the early years of my career at South Melbourne and players like Epifano and and how they just controlled games and were able to turn it on with that bit of brilliance. You know, that's what Maxi's got. Um, and he's not the only one we've been able to bring in players like that across, as you mentioned earlier, people like Brennan, um, Alan Webb, etc. So, um, yeah, having him on my side, I, I probably don't get forward as much. Maybe that's the old age or um, maybe maybe it's just because I'm so confident that Max can, can do so many things up in the forward line that I, I, I tend to sit back a little bit more. But, uh, no, nah, having him is a, is a blessing and... You know, like you said at the start, there's, there's no secret as to, to why we're there. And it's due to players like him um, coming in and just adding that quality around the dressing room and, and, and on the park as well. Has he given you any like tips or advice uh, around the throws? I, look, I'm only asking because I'm sure <laughs> if, I, if I think about our listener base, there's probably a lot of people who are, are Sunday footballers. And in a Sunday footballing <laughs> environment, the, uh, the long throw is a very valuable skill. If you've got any pointers, I'm sure they would take them. <laughs> well... Thinking back to it, I think the 2016 grand final against Oakley, the first goal was an assist from my throw-in. So I, I like to maybe have a, a think that I'm also so involved. So you walk so Max could run, that's what you're saying. <laughs> pretty much exactly that. Um, no, he, he, I, I, like I said, I don't know. He's, he's such, a, such a small guy to have such a long throw-in. He's, he's incredible. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just by looking at him, doesn't go to the gym or anything like that, doesn't work <laughs> on the biceps that people might think that he does. It's just uh, incredible talent that he's got and, after three or four sets of running up, all of a sudden the balls are past the goalkeeper. So it's yeah, it's incredible. And um, yeah, I, I honestly don't know how to do it. I'm sorry for the kids out there. I've got no tips for you there. <laughs> you, you, you touched on your assist in the grand final last time you played Oakley, and I think that uh, segues pretty nicely into what has been, I think, in, out in out in Clubland, one of the, the big focuses of the the sort of week leading into the grand final, which is the choice of venue. Last time, Oakley and South took one another on in a grand final. It was at Lakeside. Won't be the case uh, this week. I, I'm curious to get your uh, your reaction when when you found out that that uh you know that the venue wouldn't be lakeside and it would be uh, at at City Vista. Ah, oh, it's um 
Yeah, look, you go through, and I guess probably as a junior growing up in the in the Victorian ranks, you go through and, um, you know, you always look at the NPL, or back then it was the VPL, that's shown my age, but, um, and looking at, you know, these guys playing off in some, some big games. I remember, I think I was a, a ball boy for a gully grand final um, down at it, it, where Amy Park is now at the old stadium down there. So um, you look at that and you, you look at how they got to play in front of massive crowds, um, and just the, yeah, the amount of support that they used to get, and it was just amazing. So, look, I, I mean, look, it is what it is. It's it, it's it's been, you know, it's, it's come out that it's at the um, the Caroline Springs grounds, and you know, for us as players, we just focus on what we need to do. Um, in saying that, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that Lakeside Grand Final against Oakley, you know, drew upwards of seven thousand people, and um, yeah, it was it was an amazing atmosphere and to play in front of them. We were looking at some videos the other day of that, and you know, it was it was awesome. So. Hopefully, I mean, it is what it is. If it stays at Caroline Springs, then we go to Caroline Springs and we play in a, in a game, which I'm sure will be a great spectacle for, for um, the people that will be there and for anyone who's watching. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can't beat these, these games where you play in football-specific stadiums with, with plenty of seats and, um, yeah, and, and plenty of people being able to watch. And, you know, um, Saffa was going to hold, I think, upwards of 5,000 seats and everything else. So, if it's, if possible to play it there, it'd be amazing. But yeah, I, I mean, there's plenty of other great grounds around the, the Victoria too. How do you prepare to play at somewhere like Georgie's? Because it's not like anyone's played there this year. I mean, we spoke to, to Matt Fashini before. It's, you know, it's it's completely different. It, it is as neutral as neutral you can get for both of you guys. Yeah. Have you had much experience playing at Georgie's? It's not like you guys are playing out in the <laughs> desert or anything, but, you know, it's a, it's a different set of circumstances to say playing at Jack Edwards or Olympic Village or Lakeside. How do you prepare for that? Yeah, look, no, no, I haven't. I haven't, I haven't been out there. Um, I've heard things and, and, um, obviously seeing the photos and a bit of footage, um, from the ground. But, oh, look, I mean, it's, it's a football field at the end of the day. Um, as we spoke about at the start of this, this chat that, you know, we've got a style of play and we've got a, a certain way of going in there. You know, defensive have been really strong. So we focus on our, our key points and what we can control and, and, and that's our, our game plan. And, you know, that's, that's all we, we're, we're thinking about Wednesday and Friday now, the, the last couple of sessions of the week. And, um, you know, whatever ground we go to, if, if it's out there at Caroline Springs, then we know it's going to have grass on it. We know it's going to have a sidelines for maxi throw-ins and, and the rest of it. So we'll, um, yeah, we'll be focusing on what we need to focus on. But, yeah, yeah we'll... When we get there, I'll, I'll see the ground and um, hopefully lifting a trophy afterwards and I'll be able to let you guys know then. <laughs> I know that the preparation, as you said, at this stage going into a grand final is is mostly, you know, uh, one of inward focus. But even mm. in saying that, Brad, uh, as a defender, you, you would obviously be mindful, as we've we've touched on, of uh, some of the you know attacking weapons that Oakley will be uh, throwing at you on the day. Uh, obviously, Joe Knowles might end up hanging around you a, a few times. The now joint gold medalist, he scored two goals against against Port. Is is there someone specific that you sort of are watching out for? You're like, I'm going to have to be on my guard for when this guy's uh, in and around my defensive area. <laughs> uh, I think they've got a, a range of talent in their attacking third. And, and like I said, even their, their players come from behind. You spoke to Fish earlier, played with Fish for a number of years and coming down from right back, he'll be, I'm sure, he'll be running past me at certain occasions <laughs> and probably saying the slight comments. So, um, no, nah, look, uh, uh, whoever's going to be lining up on, on my side, I've, I've got to deal with. 
Same with, obviously, Morgan, most likely, on the other side. And, um, yeah, I, I guess, they've got, like I said, they've got so many talented players. You, you don't really want to be lining up against any of them. Knowles, um, you know, Decker's been playing out there a little bit as well. I think he's moved back a little bit further. But, yes, Fashini running down the wing. I think even Tyson might even come and just hang out with me just because of our age. I think we can maybe have a break together. But, um, yeah, look, it's, it's, yeah, they've got so much talent. Whoever's out there, we'll, we'll, um, I'll hopefully be able to deal with. But... Yeah, looking forward to the battle. Or do you? I know, obviously, you don't want him to um, run past you too many times if you can avoid it on the day. But do you look forward to playing against someone like Fish? Not just because he's a an ex teammate, but also because he's a you know he's a pretty talkative ex teammate as well. And I, I know you're probably <laughs> someone who's who's good at that back and forth as well. Like in terms of a a verbal matchup on one side, like Brad Norton against Matt Fashini, that, that's that's pretty good in NPL terms. <laughs> Yeah, I think we've um, we've definitely had our words and, and good funny words more than anything. Banter, maybe, if um, if you want to call it that, um, back and forth over the years when we were together and against each other. So, uh, look, it's it's something where it, once you cross that white line, and I know people talk about it, but yeah, all you go out there to do is want to win. So, um, yeah, whatever whatever words might be said on the day, yeah, as soon as you cross it afterwards, you sort of forget about it again. Um, you shake your hands and move on. But yeah, look, uh, he's a he's a great talker fish, and and we've had some good battles in the, in our in our times, and I'm looking forward to it again. And and then if, if it's not through fish, I'm sure I'll be hearing Tyson's voice over my shoulder as well. So <laughs> be loving a bit of back and forth. That, that is a, that's a that's a lot to contend with uh, in in any one game in any one eleven. You, you've got your work cut out for you before a ball's <laughs> even uh, even been kicked. But um, just going back to the the, the semi final and how it sort of uh, you know links into what's coming up. This this weekend, obviously, uh, the, the winning goal, as we've seen a few times from South this year, another just tremendous moment of quality from this um, one of the, I mean, the strongest NPL squads yeah. we've ever seen assembled. That was a, a sensational strike from Webby. Are you, are you confident that, that that quality is going to get you, um, you know, get you lifting the trophy uh, at the end of at the end of the day against Oakley? Yeah, look, uh, I mean, you, you go into these games and, and, you know, we've had such a great year all, all across the whole space of the year and you have to go in with, with some level of confidence, I guess. Um, but in saying that, you know, you've got to respect your opponents and, and a team like Oakley who's been able to back it up on numerous occasions. You saw that against Sydney, you saw that again against Port Melbourne on the weekend. You know, it, it's going to be such a, a dogfight. It's going to be such a tough game. It's a, it's a grand final. Not often do you see multiple goals in grand finals. I mean, the last time we played each other was 3-2, but um, it, it's generally just a, a battle on the field. And, you know, that's what will be happening, uh, I reckon, this weekend. And um, two great teams, probably been the, the two sort of top teams throughout the space of the the, the um, 2022 year. So, um, yeah, look, uh, I want to go in and say that I'm I'm confident about it, but I, I just I know how good they are, I know how well they're led by Chris Taylor and and his team, and you know we've had him before, so understand how well they're led, captained by Tyson. So it's, it's yeah, you know you want to be confident, but at the same time you you know what dangers they've got, and um, I just think it's going to be a a really good game, no matter where it's played. It's going to be a great game, um, and we hope as many people can get out there as possible in a in a safe manner wherever it is, and and be able to watch a great game. Well, Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck for Sunday. It's going to be a cracking game nonetheless. Uh, looking forward to it and uh, hopefully uh, some silverware to go with it uh, at the end of a, a second piece of silverware as well after winning the Premiership earlier this year. But again, Brad, good luck for Sunday. 
Thanks so much, guys, and thanks for having me on. Not a problem. That is South Melbourne captain Brad Norton joining us there, Lockie. I mean, the stage is set for Sunday. It's going to be a cracking game nonetheless, despite all discussion about yeah. the venue. Well, it's and when, be when I am picking where I'm going to uh, where I'm going to sit or where I'm going to stand, in uh, potentially, I don't know how early I'm I'm going to get there. Um, if I am going to be standing against the fence, I'm going to make sure it's whatever side Matt Fashini and Brad Norton are because oh, the, it's going to be great. The verbal, you're going to have to do verbal, a, sw- a switcheroo at halftime. That half will time be as worth well. the price of admission yeah. alone, and I will do the switcheroo. Well, I hope that. Uh, Tyson Holmes is the right side of, of the two in the pivot as well. So you got Fashini, Norton, and Holmes in like this Bermuda Triangle in a way that's just going to you know be on the same flank for the for the entirety of the game. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun to watch, nonetheless. Uh, Lockie, just taking a look at some of the questions and comments coming through during the during our chat with Brad. Of course, you know the big discussion off the top was about the decision to host this grand final or grand final doubleheader in. Uh, in, at, at St. George's over at City Vista. City Vista. Um, a lot of talk about the parking. Uh, you know, Josh Parrish, one of FNR alums, saying the car park is at least as big as Lakeside, but some people turning around saying that is incorrect. Um, Josh saying as well, public transport is an issue. I caught the train, the bus there once, wouldn't recommend. Um, of course, parking is free compared to at Lakeside. You have to, you do have to pay for parking if you do park in the, in the car park there. Um, you know, Josh as well alluding to the Western United youth game versus Preston Lions earlier this year where there was 1,500 people or so and said the atmosphere was sensational. However, only one side of the ground is covered, so it's an issue if it rains, as we spoke about before. It looks like it is going to rain on Sunday. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, you know, what's coming up, Lockie, obviously a lot of intense discussion surrounding this, and I only can assume in the days to come there's going to be a lot more that sort of comes to be. I mean, it's been 24 hours since the decision and social media has gone off, and I think by the time Sunday rolls around, I reckon there'll be a lot more that continues to happen, especially until FE, you know, sort of say something publicly. Yeah, it's it's... It is going to be a fascinating old week, Nick. It's it's never a dull moment in NPL Victoria, and I think I think even I am surprised, and maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe if you're in the same camp, are surprised at the uh, the amount of reaction. Like this isn't this is no longer just a Victorian thing. Like I've seen people from South Australia, I've seen people from New South Wales weigh in and express their concern or surprise or shock or whatever emotion, um, not many of them particularly positive, to be honest with mm. you, at this decision. So th- this is – it's a situation that's really got out of hand. Yeah. Like it needs to be um, reined in, um, you know, sooner rather, rather than, than later. later. Because, uh, <laughs> again, this it has the potential to be a great grand final. These are two sides – who you know have a bit of a historical, not a really like a bit of a rivalry. Like they've yeah, had close no, they, games they, in the there's, past. There's a, there's a bit of a back there's and a forth. Rivalry. These are two teams who traditionally, you know, South have had a couple of years of underperformance, but have traditionally been pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Have performed pretty well. They've got players who have played against one another on either sides, particularly a lot of ex-South players playing for Oakley now. The coach, Chris Taylor, of course, the guy who climbed the mountain. There's so many interesting narratives. These two teams have had brilliant seasons. South are back. Oakley have probably had the best season, arguably, in their history going into the grand grand final, going into the semifinals Mm. of the Australia Cup, knocking off an A-League team. These are the things that we should be talking about. What a good game yep. this is potentially set to be between two sides who have had landmark years. 
that's where the focus should be. Not the, the venue should be the last and thing the we crowd. should be worrying about. It shouldn't be about where are we going to be playing. Yeah. How is everyone going to fit. be catered to in the particular venue that's been chosen? Now, it's That's the biggest shame more than anything else, where the ground's being played or anything like that, is that the actual football... Is being overshadowed. The grand final, the culmination of all this time, is not the focus of the day. Absolutely. That seems crazy to me. Absolutely. And, of course, just to kind of hone it in terms of narrative as well, I mean, this is Oakley's chance. It's first ever, quote-unquote, MPL crown. Uh, they've never actually won MPL Victoria. They won the VPL back in 2006. Well, they were that VPL was, premiers. Yeah, they premiers. Never won, they've never won the a grand championship. final. Yep. So that's their, that was their last piece of silverware. Uh, they didn't win the. They haven't won the Doherty Cup either. So that's something to sort of you know keep an eye on. They're, this is history for Oakley and for yeah, South Melbourne, of course. I mean, they were champions only as far back as 2000 and having a look here, 2016. 2016, yeah, champions. So, and of course, this is their first finals appearance since one, 2017. One thing as well. as well, Nick, that's also been um, brought to my attention, which again, depending on mm. the timing. Uh, how how many people we actually expect to go to a grand final because uh, at least some South fans online have been saying, oh, we, we're not going to go to the grand mm. final as a result of this. We'll watch at home. But there is also sort of, I don't know whether it's going to be changed for the day, if there is a way you can change it. But at the moment there is sort of one designated entry into, into George's, George yeah. Cross. I guess that's the same and for, I guess that's the same for, for Knights, for example, but not the same for Lakeside. No, Lakeside's there's plenty of. Th- that's the thing that is good about Lakeside, and there are legitimate criticisms you can make about that venue. I mean, the the distance from the 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 ground of the actual seating. I think yeah, but- some people express concerns about that, but it's still seating. It's still seating. Seating. But yeah. one thing I think is really its big strength is it does have capacity to scale up and scale down depending yeah. on the needs. How many people? Yeah. Uh, so if there's more requirements. Lakeside has more that it can do to um, allow for a bigger crowd as opposed to a smaller venue, uh, which once it's at capacity, once it reaches a, a bottleneck, not much you can oh, do. Oh, we even had, you know, um, Kotze put his hand up and say North could be happy to host. I mean, John Kane wouldn't be the worst ground either if it was a, a one a one-off grand final. It's true. Wouldn't mind it there. I mean, even look, going back to, you know, talking Sorry if this might sound like Paco bias, if there is such a thing, but C.B. Smith wasn't... I know it's the big pole, and everyone talks it's about no, the pole. The, the grandstand's not a million miles bigger, though. No, I know seating. that, but it's still more accessible, and it's a better facility. Is it more accessible? The grandstand's actually a lot bigger. I think that there's not by pu- it's not. It's not accessible by... Super accessible by public yeah, transport. There's a, tra- there's a train to Gary Station, yeah. and then it's a 10-minute you know, yeah, sure. Uber or something. Sure, but... George's is not necessarily. I don't, I, but I, I, I don't think. I'm just saying. With all due respect, I don't saying. think necessarily other grounds in the West, other than Knights, just because it is a 5,000 seater grandstand. Like it could cater the whole, <laughs> whole crowd pretty yeah. much in the one grandstand. Um, what a thing that would be! What a noise that would be as well. Absolutely. By the way, um, even BT Connor is that unless there's a team that's qualified yeah. in the West, even, the, the grand final it even, should be in a central as I said, even, location. Even BT Connor Reserve. And I was thinking about seating, I'm, not touch- I'm not touching that. I'm not touching. <laughs> I'm not touching. <laughs> Anyways, um, just let's go now. Let's move on from the uh, the grand final venue discussion. But if anyone wants to have their say, feel free to get in touch. Uh, get in touch and obviously say your bit if you want to drop in some comments or anything below. Um, you know, 
we've still got the Zoom link open as well. And we so had the uh, the, the SMS open yeah. as well on uh, 0428933345. had someone who's just come through uh, two minutes ago, Nick. He says, hi, guys. I've been a lifelong member of South, but myself and three other mates, who I can only imagine are South Melbourne supporters, who have been longtime members. So he does say that. Won't be going. Yep. So that's four people you can So, uh, I mean, it's going to probably be, I reckon, quite a few viewers on the Facebook stream, because he's going to be on Facebook or on NPL.tv as well. And um, disappointing that fans have been turned off by the experience to it. So I, I do wonder if things will change beforehand. I really do. I, I get a feeling this isn't the last we're going to hear of it. Uh, Lockie, let's switch our attention to the coaching merry-go-round that is at Bentley and Altona at the moment. Oh, boy. Um, before and then we'll go to a break and of course Matthew Fashini as well I'll chat with him a little bit earlier on the other side of it too um Nick Tolios uh departs Bentley Greens Savas Patikas departs Altona Magic the Nick Tolios one in particular threw us off because I did not see this coming I don't think anyone saw this coming after a really successful tenure at Bentley um especially considering what he did this season with all the injuries you know winning the Doherty Cup making finals, doing what he did, round of 16 in the Australia Cup, pushing Sydney right to their their wit's end. And in the end, Bentley have decided to part ways and go to the well and basically say, we want a full-time coach. That's literally what they're now saying in their their, um, advertisement they put out today. But my God, was it a baffling decision to part ways with Nick? Very much a baffling decision. I, I, I still can't believe it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a massive, it was a massive surprise. Obviously, Tolsey came in uh, at the the end of the departure of the 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 Johnny A reign, uh, the reign of supremacy under John Anastasiadis, and in his I think second, maybe third, I'm pretty sure second game in charge. Obviously, won the NPL Victoria Grand Final. Um, I think it was third game in charge. Won the NPL Victoria mm. Grand Final with the Greens. This because of the you know pandemic related interruptions. This is his first full season in charge of the Greens. And they had a little bit of a slow start to the season. But really, from sort of the first third of the season onwards, they've been very good. Absolutely. Uh, that They have, in Nick Tolius's first season, they finished fifth. Okay, that's mm. that's about where they were, I think, in, in 2019 or thereabouts, maybe slightly slightly lower. But they've made the round of 16 of the Australia Cup. Uh, where they've come very close to knocking off an A-League side on their own patch. A lot of people were very impressed with that performance. Maybe it's been somewhat overshadowed now by what Mm. Oakley have been able to achieve. But it was still a brilliant performance. And again, they approached Sydney playing their brand of football. They didn't cower. They didn't hide Mm. in the corner. They played their possession brand and impressed people, and and rightly so. And they won the Doherty Cup. I, I, I... I don't know what the particulars of this situation are. I'm not familiar with the discussions that Bentley and Nick have had with one another. But I find it difficult to see in the face of the obstacles as well that have been faced by Bentley, which you've touched on, the injuries and all of that. I find it difficult to see how a hierarchy of a football club could not be satisfied with that set of outcomes at the end of a year. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is, is shocking. And if you're deciding to uh, go to market, so to speak, at the expense of a coach who, again, if we're looking at it purely on a performances and results basis, we're not there at training every week, we don't know what the situation with the squad is like or anything mm. like that. I'm not casting aspersions by saying that. I'm just saying we don't know those yeah. elements. Um, but on results and performances alone, 
really hasn't put much of a foot wrong this year. Absolutely. Uh, if you're going to market, this better be this better be a this very be a pickup. Big appointment. But, but the thing is, though, a like big it's, it's, it's not even like they had someone lined up to replace him straight away. They've put out a bloody advert today and said, "Come get the job." And they've dangled the Bentley Greens of, issue issues. Come and get me, please. Yeah, it's to basically star like coach. it's literally like in wrestling, like putting out an open challenge. Yeah, no, that, that that's just saying. But the but the thing is, they've said a full time coach. They want to go for the big dogs because mm. it seems like you know if they're putting that out there, a coach they have to have the coaching a license and everything like that. They want to go big, but again, like. Why couldn't they, if Nick was, like, good enough and they wanted to go down that route, which I think Well, was, did they have conversations about making Yeah, maybe. Nick we don't know that. Time. But from what I understand, I mean, I think Nick was caught off guard by the departure. Well, again, I think I think he's an unfortunate and unlucky collateral of, yeah. of this decision by Bentley. I mean, it, they, they've really... <laughs> They've made a rod for their own back here. Yeah. Because Tolsey, in what he's achieved in his debut season, has set the bar very high. Oh, Obviously, Johnny yeah. A had also set the bar pretty high. And Bentley, let's not forget, yeah. have been, you know, up to this point, a very well-run club in terms of what they do yeah. in, in a footballing Absolutely. sense, the way they play and all of that sort of stuff. The person who comes into this job a lot of is going to be under immense pressure yeah. to deliver as not much if not more than Nick Tolios, if for no other reason than regardless of whatever CV he comes in with, if you want to go to market, you ideally want to bring someone in better, um, they're going to be full-time. Yeah, and that means more, even more expectation beyond the fact they're replacing bloody exactly. Nick Tolios. They are a full-time coach. They're probably exactly. the only full-time coach in the entire league. I, I think you made a great point earlier as well. I think the, the bit that really rubs you the wrong way about this is is if maybe if, if Bentley had someone signed up that they were like okay this guy He's definitively great, yeah. in terms of his record his CV undeniably is a better coach than than Nick Tolios in their eyes if they had someone ready to go then maybe you could understand it and you can you can mm. not get out in front of it but you can be quick to that you can beat yeah, people absolutely. to the punch you can beat absolutely. the critics to the punch by having someone ready to go yeah the fact they just thrown it open and cast nick aside and mm. and suggested that what he's done is not good enough um to me is 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 absolutely it's stunning really stunning absolutely it's and, stunning. and the, the thing is now it's all right as you mentioned to the well whoever comes out of this it's going to be very interesting to see who replaces nick tolios but my god is it, it's just it still doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it almost doesn't feel real. I still feel no. baffled by it. And, I, and I guess departed, the, the other question is, what does this mean for Tulsi? What does yeah, this mean well, for Nick Tolios I mean, as well? Where does he be, head? Does he clubs. head anywhere? Well, because if it was me, yeah, I mean, if I was him, I'd be feeling pretty jaded about absolutely. the whole situation. And I think there would be clubs lining up for his signature. I mean, mm. if there are clubs, obviously that don't have a coach right now, <clears throat> Melbourne Knights. <clears throat> Altona Magic, <clears throat> Bullion Lions, you're throwing the kitchen sink mm. at him. If there are clubs that even have a coach right now and they're not too sure exactly where they want to go with it, if it's not really working maybe out. Maybe they want to go to market. Maybe they want to go to market and they see Nick Tolios as the alternative. Maybe a coach has already come up with some sort of agreement to go somewhere else and Nick Tolios is coming in. But that will be it'll be an interesting watch this space. That's yeah. one nonetheless. Well, from what I understand, it's going to be a watch this space. But very much so. Just yeah. Hold, everyone hold their horses because I expect this coaching merry-go-round is going to get it, pretty... It's, from the words that we have heard, which yeah. we can't report yet... It's going to get pretty the, crazy. The scuttlebutt that's already come out with the season not even done, uh, 
There will be, yeah, it will get. It is going to be a fascinating offseason, yeah, and, and we're not talking player transfers. And of course, Savas Patekas as well departing from Altona. I mean, kind of not surprising given the way Altona finished the season. I mean, they mm. stayed up. Um, I guess in the sense of. You know, he did such a good. He did a good job at the start of the season in getting those like tight wins and getting the points yeah. on the board. But the, the, I mean, it's they just, went through that really barren run. It's and too. It's too hard to. And I, and I will say this is someone who who watched a bit of Altona, particularly mid season, and thought Sorry. there's some very interesting things that you guys are doing tactically. The the three at the back they are operating with. They really got mm. the best out of some of their players. I mean, Jamal Ali is still someone yep. who I think could actually reach the next level, sort of beyond the yep. NPL. He's um, such an intelligent intelligent player um but i think for all this all the interesting things they had been doing it's impossible to look past that second half of the season which was as you said um barren but i do think that savas patikas has shown enough as a coach that someone else uh, might be interested in seeing what he can do. Maybe maybe a club at, uh, at an NPL, believe maybe a club at an NPL two level who might mm. um, you know might look at what he's done. And I don't think we've seen the last of him at all. I think he will no. see him surface at an NPL two or NPL three level, and I think he could be a very good coach at that level. Um, I think he'd be a great coach for any team looking to get promoted. We spoke about how tough NPL two is going to be next year. And I do suspect that there will be clubs looking at him. And as we said, Boleyn is one of those clubs that are looking for a coach. So maybe Savas is someone that they might chat to, yeah. someone they might and look that's at. And that's an interesting dynamic as well. It's like we've got two coaches who are already out the door at this stage of the offseason. Um and both of them are coaches you expect to, you know, either end I up think back in the land. NPL or in the NPL yeah, too. Even, like, uh, like, I don't know what the situation is with Eastern Lions and Andrea Lombardo, but if Andrea Lombardo isn't, is not, I don't know if he was a caretaker in the end or if he was a full-time coach, but maybe Eastern Lions put out a call to Savas Patikas if they want to try those ambitions to come straight back up. Um, but nonetheless, a real watch this space with the coaching merry-go-round. It's, it's going to get quite crazy and of course we spoke about I don't know if we spoke about this but of course Fausto Diamisis departed from Boleyn as well mm. so that's a third that's a third team a big club that will be looking at a new coach um, and Fausto is a coach who I think will definitely resurface somewhere in MPL 2 maybe MPL 3 um, I don't think he'll be out of a out of a position for too long um, and of course thinking about free agent coaches there's still um, Gus Salakis who was uh, who was sacked by Northcote there's still Kosti Pushkashu as well who departed Eastern Lions last season. Um, you know, there's still Steve Bebich as well. Uh, so there's there's, a, there's going to be coaches that I think are going to be looked at this period of time. Maybe some clubs may be thinking, all right, like these guys available, do we pull the trigger? Mm. And do um, we, I mean, the other question is, do we see people from outside the, MPL the Victoria, Victorian yeah. MPL be, be considered Well, from what I understand, Lockie, from what we both heard is that there may be some interest from other, I mean, we spoke about players that, cross the divide and come down here. But from what I understand, there may be word of coaches too. So again, watch this space. We'll be all over it in the, in the time that comes, but uh, it's going to get interesting over the next little bit of time to see, I guess who sort of falls where, where all the dominoes fall in this and where I guess, you know, who ends up coaching who really out of all this, it's going to be rather fascinating. Um, Lockie, before we get to our chat with Matt Fashini, um, that we did a little bit earlier today. We shall talk about the gold medal night, I think, sure. as well. Because, I mean, we've kind of already reviewed the, the semis, but we'll go back to it a little bit later on as well. We spoke we're to Brad Notton. Pre- yep. We'll, we'll, we'll find a way to intertwine it all. Um, 
the 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 gold medal night last night. You had the you were lucky enough to attend last night. Uh, we saw obviously Joe Knowles and Kane Shepherd take out the the BNF for the year. You know, tied at the top. Yep. Uh, Daniel Wise as well. Winning it for the women's Daniel Wise? What? No. no. No, no. Sorry, no. I'm getting it mixed up. It was Sophia Sakalas. Sophia and, and Sarah Kane. Yeah. And so she won the golden the, boot. Golden boot. Sorry, I've had a bit of a brain fade. And of course, Joe Guest as well winning the Bill Fleming Award, as you alluded to earlier. Uh, Corey Thomas winning the MPL2 uh, Player of the Year won both awards. He was a clean sweep from Corey Players, Thomas. Player and yep. yeah, umpire. So or referee. Uh, umpire. Umpires won the umpire. So that's, a, that's like a sin on this podcast. I was going to say, you're going to talk about that. That's so. a pay a fine for that, I think. I think so. I think you have to put that <laughs> some put sort that, of forfeit in our grand final review put episode. That, put that towards we'll, like the next little bit of Uber Eats oh, we get before the show. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, uh, we'll workshop that one. Yeah. Um, very fascinating, the gold medal in particular, to see it be shared. Yep. I, th- I think for the first time, if my memory yep. memory serves me correctly. But to be honest, I, I think it's it's hard to argue. I think Joe Knowles has obviously had a season so good that he's had A-League men's interest, A-League men's, well, an A-League men's club now sign mm-hmm. him. Um, we've had Chris Taylor say that on this very station before that yep. – he is signed off. up. It's just a matter of announcing the transfer to Brisbane Raw. And we know you have to how well you have to play, how good of a season you have to have to get A-League interest. Well, that's the kind of season that Joe Knowles has had. And then, you know, these are awards as well that let's not forget do sort of um, not preference, but obviously goals and assists when you're trying to think back, 3-2-1, that sort of thing. You're going to remember the players who are scoring and setting up. Kane Shepard has scored him, has set him up for his teammates. You know, when he wasn't scoring, he was playing other people in. Uh, he's had a brilliant year. He's absolutely. had an absolutely it's brilliant year. And I, th- I think two winners uh, that were, were very, very deserving. Uh, and a shout-out as well to, to George Mells, who finished the season also on 24 votes. We would have had a three-way tie, but uh, George Mills had a red card, yeah. so that ruled him ineligible. Harry so he Sawyer also only a point behind. As and when well. you, actually Mills is particularly, I think, impressive because he's only had, I think, three goals, two assists this season. Yeah. So for him to sort of be polling that well in the centre of the park, equal to the yeah. eventual gold medal winners, that's pretty impressive. Pretty big. And that does sort of reflect on the kind of season we've had that yeah. three people are, are winning. And then you have is that. Two players in a... So, yeah, Harry Sawyer on 23, John Albano on 22. Then it's three players on 19, Chris Duggan, Tyson Holmes, yeah. Ali Soleimani. That's, then, a tight, that's a tight race. Yeah, and then Mickler and Schroen on 18. So I'm very curious to see who's after that because I think it just kept going. And then, of course, in MPL 2, as we mentioned, Corey Thomas won it by some margin in the end by six points clear of Jonathan Bunis, who was uh, ineligible at the end. Shouts, Jonathan Bunis. What a season he had for Northcote. Yeah, quietly. there was no MPL yeah. 2 goal of the season. No. Uh, or MPL 3 goal of the but, season, but Jonathan Bunis, he would have won it. The big boy. Uh, Caleb Mikulich as well came a tie with him on 23. Then of course Joshua Knight on 18. Nick Bavkar, Ben Everson, surprisingly. Ben Everson after missing quite a few games, getting mm. 17 votes. Uh, Ryan Opperman, Luke Pavlou, 16. The Macarunas, Phil Petrevsky, or Petrevsky and Adrian Tallarico getting 13 yeah. votes. And an MPL 3, of course, Andrew Mullett's winning it by one point clear of Connor Bell and Samuel Catherine. Very tight and race To be fair to Connor Bell, had won everything else. He'd won the players. But just player, didn't win that Golden one. Boot, didn't get that one. Yeah, so mm. as well... Um, you know, quite a tight in the end. I mean, Marvin Brovile coming only two points points behind with Jordan Lawton and Harry Politidis as well, getting 15 from Western United and, and Melbourne City respectively. So a very tight race, but Andrew Mullet from Nunawading uh, along with AJ McPhee winning the Golden Boot. So quite 
overall uh, a successful awards campaign for Nunna Whiting. Of course, no promotion for them, but they get something. Uh, the coaches of the year, no surprise in MPL 3, Louis Asevsky uh, taking that one home. In MPL 2, Stuart Begg winning it ahead of Adrian Mathers. So in terms of sort of... That's an interesting one because we actually had I actually had some of the Moreland City players. We know we spoke about how Byron Figueroa is a keen listener as well. Max Bassetto saying, you know, it's interesting that the goalkeeper of the year were both from North Geelong but not for oh, the both goalkeeper Moreland and the coach, yeah, of, the year, coach yeah. of the year. Yeah, so Stuart Begg and, of course, Hamish Flavel winning those awards um, ahead of Adrian Mathers and Andrew Condalian. And then, of course, the uh, MPL men's coach of the Adam Piddick, I think, what he's done with Port Melbourne has been sensational, despite the fact that it ended up in a semi-final. Yeah, exit. I mean, I mean, maybe maybe Esteban Quintas would be would be feeling a, a little hard done. Really, no, yeah. but but I but think I take think, into consideration. I, I, that is what I think some yeah. would say. I think no one deserves that yeah. award more than Adam Piddick. Like the the way he has been able to maximize the talent of that, and it's a it's a good side, but I think yeah. most would agree it's not quite on the same level, on paper at least, of an Oakley and of a yeah. South Melbourne, and yet he has been competitive and Absolutely. been one game away from, from the grand final. And, of course, the other awards, Lockie, just quickly, Helen Winterburn winning the NPL Women's Coach of the Year from FV Emerging. Good way to uh, yep. head into uh, an A-League women's yep. job. Yeah. And, of course, uh, Francesca Amato winning Goal of the Year for NPL Women's and Charlie Fry. Well, this was the interesting quirk. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want you to tell us about the quirk about, of him winning this. I want to talk this. about this. <laughs> the floor is yours. Okay. I, I want to talk about this goal, this goal of the Season Award on two fronts. Would you say, because those who don't remember... Brilliant goal, oh, halfway goal, yeah. from kickoff from Charlie Fry. You do recall that he did something very. He scored a very similar, similar goal, goal in twenty twenty one. Now, for you, you've seen the other contenders for, for mm-hmm. goal of the season. Do you think it's? Do you think Charlie Fry's goal in twenty twenty two is made more? or less impressive by the fact that he scored a very similar goal in 2021? Do you think the fact that this is his second you know attempt what it's like? you know what it's makes like it more know, worthy of being goal you know, of the season? You know what it's like? And I know that Oscar Rutherford is out there will like this comparison. Actually, to be honest, I don't think he, well, he doesn't really want to hear Collingwood comparisons. But it's like how Jeremy Howe takes Speckies. And it's like you just expect him to be right up there every year for Mark of the Year. Mm. But like... He scored from bloody halfway, for God's sake. It's true. It's still a goal from halfway. Braden Man's scissor kick was pretty Look, Braden good, Braden Man though. was very close, as was Gianluca Iannucci's goal yes, against Heidelberg. Yes, his half volley against Heidelberg. Which was very, To be very fair, good. it was a tough pick. Oh, and, yeah. I, and I actually, on second thought, do think the fact that Charlie Fry did it again and did it from kickoff this time. Probably more impressive. It, it probably twice. is more impressive. Lightning but the interesting twice. thing was that Charlie Fry scored that goal for while playing for the Eastern Lions in the NPL. Yeah. He has since moved on in the mid-season window to go and play for Kingston, where yeah. he helped them stay in the NPL too. Now, Charlie Fry wasn't there at the uh, the gold medal night last time. Not sure what reason. Uh, hope he's well or good. Uh, I don't know. Hope he got invited. But the upshot was he wasn't able to receive his award. So in a weird twist of events... It wasn't someone from Eastern Lions who went to go pick up the award for Charlie because well, he doesn't play for them anymore. How would they get the award to him? So I'm still trying to wrap my head around this as I say it out loud. The winner of the goal of the season who playing for Eastern Lions, who wasn't there, his award was connected by 
Contangalakis, the coach, of the Kingston. head coach of Kingston City, who I imagine will now return it to uh, to Charlie Fry. But it was just this bizarre moment where everyone was looking around. Oh, where's Charlie Fry? Where's Charlie Fry? Where's Charlie Fry? And then out of nowhere, you just see Contangalakis, uh, you know, suited and Emerge booted, just the, marching the up to the uh, marching up to the podium. This is very fascinating. Absolutely. And uh, end of the day, as we said, Lockie. I mean, it's pretty incredible that you know. He can do it twice. So I think that he's a worthy winner nonetheless. But uh, in terms of some of the other awards, just quickly, uh, I've mentioned Joe Guest winning the Bill Fleming Award, the Media Award for Player of the Season, 12 goals and 11 assists. Amazing year from him, but didn't even get the top 10. Didn't, didn't crack the top 10. Which is incredible. Um, Alana Cern uh, came up with the NPL Women's uh, Media Player of the Year as well. Uh, so they were some of the awards. And as well, Lockie Keeve is winning the NPL Men's Referee of the Year. And he'll be uh, refereeing the Grand Final this weekend as well. Yep. Uh, goalkeeper of the year, Javi Lopez. I think that's fair enough. And at least richly deserved. Yep. He's had an incredible year for yep. South. He, he'll be like, he's arguably my my like key player. Like you could yeah. make a pretty strong case for him being the key player and on that. Uh, the players' Sunday. player of the year: Rebecca Burrows for MPL Women's, Connor Bell for MPL Three, Corey Thomas. We said clean sweep, winning the uh, MPL Two One. Joe Knowles as well for MPL Men's. Hey, Lockie, let's take a quick break. Let's let's have a bit of a breather for a second. Uh, on the other side of this, uh, we caught up with Matt Fischini a little bit earlier today in regards to the big game this weekend between South Melbourne and Oakley. After that, we'll get into a full preview of the grand final. Massive game this weekend between South Melbourne and Oakley. We'll get to your comments. We'll get to your questions. It's been a big show here on the MPL Victoria Pod, but there's still plenty more to come just after this. Are you looking to change your destiny in life? Be your own boss? Start your own business? If you are, you need people who understand your needs and are committed to helping you make it happen. At DKP and Co Chartered Accountants, we are more than just accountants. We are business advisors, taxation consultants, and strategists that specialise in setting up businesses. We understand the client and give them the very best customised advice and strategies to achieve their goals. Visit our website, dkpco.com.au, or give us a call today on 03 9023 9370. Fast, proactive, personal. That's DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants. Since 1998, Lanco Group has been providing superior civil engineering solutions and advice to developers, local government, and service authorities across Australia. Lanco Group is known for delivering sustainable, efficient solutions. By working closely with clients, Lanco Group is able to meet the complex infrastructure requirements for residential, commercial and industrial developments on time, on budget. Find out more at lancogroup.com.au. Lanco Group, your business partner for engineering solutions. With this great sporting nation who has yet to embrace fully the world's greatest game and for so long of trying to have the game accepted. When I'm up to the big football field in the sky, I just want, want people just to remember I told you so. And suddenly the complexion of the game changes. Let's hope it doesn't, but this is the best period for Iran in the match. feel for them, not just the boys, they are representative of so many people who make this game their life, it's just uh, I can't say anything especially as they have the impetus Aloisi, Cahill Cahill, Tim Cahill has done it again what a goal by Tim Cahill two 
listening to FNR, Football Nation Radio. Pod obviously been a big show so far, and we're continuing our grand final preview. Lockie, we've spoken to Brad Norton a little bit earlier from South Melbourne. Obviously, we've got the South Melbourne side, but now let's get the Oakley side as well. We're joined here by Matt Fashini. Uh, Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, Matt, it's a massive week. It's been a massive like month plus, two months for you guys. I'm not even sure massive yeah. is the appropriate word. Absolutely. I don't know what's what's bigger than massive. I Absolutely, really don't know. and it's uh, well, really a massive ten days coming up for you guys with the Australia Cup. But first, obviously, the grand final on Sunday. I guess you know, take us through the last few days. A, a great win on Saturday against Port Melbourne as well. Yeah, I mean, like you guys said, it's been a massive few months for us. I mean, we just feel like we keep playing big game after big game. Um, you know, week in and week out, and we, we somehow keep managing to come out on top. But, yeah, Saturday night was another one. We, yeah, we we were probably a bit heavy-legged in the first half after a massive game on the previous Wednesday against Sydney and um, took a little bit of time to get into the game. And, you know, we obviously went down a goal. And, yeah, the resiliency of our team is, is unbelievable. And it's, yeah, it's, it's something I... I I haven't seen in all my years playing football being a part of such a team like this where when our back's against the wall, it's sometimes where we do our best work. And, yeah, it's it's obviously handy to have a player like Joe Knowles come off the bench and you know, he, he did the business. And, yeah, here we are looking forward to Sunday. I remember speaking to, to CT, Matt, a few weeks ago ahead of the, the Brisbane City game when the injuries were, were almost at a, at a peak. We've seen Oscar come back uh, since, since that time. He said about that Brisbane City game, oh, I just want to scrape through. And if we can scrape through, then that, that'd be ideal. And yet, here we are in a situation where you guys have made it through to the grand final. You've beaten Brisbane City. You've now beaten Sydney FC as well. And not just a, a lucky win. You, you beat them on your own terms, absolutely, particularly in that first half. I mean, I kind of asked Tyson Holmes the, the same question, but I like getting a perspective from, from all angles. What's been the secret? What's been the key to managing this period and still... You know, in the face of all these different obstacles, uh, putting in performances and getting the results as consistently as you had, because I, I, it, it honestly is mind-boggling. Like every time you think Oakley are, are done, this is surely the the point at which the, the the fun stops. You guys pull through and you keep on pulling through. It's it's been a remarkable season. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I mean, every everywhere we turn and everyone we talk to keeps saying, you know, when's it going to end? When's it going to end? You guys are, are lucky, you got injuries and all the rest of it. But for us, it's just a case of we've got, you know, three or four really experienced boys and, you know, we've all been been there and done that before at this level. And, you know, we, we kind of, when I say manage the playing group, we, we get everyone together and, you know, just, you know, get focused for the next game. You know, it's a minimal training for us at the moment. It's just about getting up for the next game. And like I said earlier, each game for us has been like a bit of a cup final. It's been do or die for the last month. And, you know, like I said, we've got those experienced heads and we all put our heads together and, and get around the younger boys and the less experienced boys and, you know, give our best advice to them of, of what's best for, for each game. And particularly that Brisbane game, we were down to bare bones and we, we still managed to to pull it out, albeit the hard way. Um, but yeah, like I, 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 I iterated earlier, we... 
<clears throat> the resiliency of our team is is incredible. And yeah, we have players like Big Nick come off the bench or, or off, when it's off the bench, he thrust into the starting 11 in that Brisbane game, scores a few goals. And then, you know, he's back on the bench and then someone else comes in the following week. And yeah, it's that next man up mentality. And yeah, we've really embraced that. In terms of the defensive half, Matt, I mean, you've been one of the few constants. I mean, yourself and Aaron have been the only ones that really have been out there every week, it seems. Obviously, you've had different defensive partners all year with, you know, Oscar going down, Hamish going down, Jacob going down. You've had, you know, Oliver and Tyson spend time in defence, even Wade playing at left back. How good is it to now start to get at least a bit of a semblance of your best back four out there, you know, getting Oscar Dillon back and having Anthony down there as well, and albeit the goalkeeper you've got behind you is only been there for about a week yeah I mean I think everyone when I say everyone knows us for our attacking we have such great attacking players and, and they sometimes steal the limelight but I feel like we're at our best when the back four is is really strong and unfortunately injuries to Jacob and Hamish and then Oscar and all the rest of it it hasn't been favorable for us but you know we had our best back four out there against Sydney FC and we we showed what we could do we we held them at bay and and like you guys mentioned earlier it wasn't a lucky win at all we we really held our own particularly defensively we didn't we didn't really give them much I mean they scored one offside goal and then obviously the goal that they that counted but other than that we didn't give them an inch and I feel like when when we're really solid at the back we're we're the springboard for for our front four or five to really really be damaging mm. and I think you know, going back to the, the Port Melbourne game on the weekend, because that that was a, a fresh Port Melbourne, a fully fit Port Melbourne, and once you guys got back into the game, the defence in particular, I thought um, Aaron like really, really stood up, and obviously Joe got the goals and got his joint gold medal last night. Joe Guest was the the Bill Fleming uh, Media Player of the Year. Do you feel like that defence is not getting enough credit for the the work it's been doing in this season when all the all the attacking players are you know getting their gongs, getting their photos taken up on stage. Are you thinking, where's Matt Faschini? Why am I not holding a <laughs> holding a trophy? Sometimes it's to be like that or it's live. I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it's like that across the globe, I guess. The the attacking players, the players with a bit more flair get all the credit, but but we know how important we are to the team as, as a back four, as a unit, and, and we're all really close, both on and off the field with each other, and we know what we bring to the team, and you know, we don't when I, no disrespect, but we don't need any trophies or accolades to know just you know how good we've been going this year and and how good we can be when when we're all playing at our best. And like I said, when we the game against Sydney was you know the the crescendo for us of you know a, a really successful year as a as a back four when we played together because when we've all been out there, we yeah we're hard to get by. That's for sure. Mm. Well. That win over Port Melbourne was a, the the breaking of a bit of a semi hoodoo for Oakley. Obviously, you've been to the semifinals, the three previous uh, series before 2016, and and fallen down at that penultimate hurdle. You're into the grand final, and this is what you guys have been, you know, angling for pretty much ever since CT came in, ever since you made your return, and your opponent on the weekend is of course a, a familiar face for both yourself and CT in the form of South Melbourne. Uh, no love lost between uh, between you and and Hellas in in games that have gone by since that time how are you feeling about uh, your opponent uh, for this weekend yeah I, I can't wait I mean like you said we we are familiar foes and um, it's yeah we, we have a bit of history between us there's no love lost and um, yeah but since we lost to them in 
the 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 last game we played them during the year, I was I was praying this day would come that we'd, we'd be able to face them in the final. Um, I'm I'm ready. I'm raring to go. It's yeah, it's the most excited and amped up I've been for a long time. Um, and yeah, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a great game. There's going to be plenty of fireworks. I hope. And I mean we're. This club deserves a championship. We've been so close, you know, so many times. I mean, in 2016, I was at South and we beat them in the granny. But you know, now the the, the shoes on the other foot, if you like, and we'll um, yeah, we'll be doing our best to to obviously get the job done. And I couldn't have asked for a better opponent to face, to be honest. And Matt, I mean, looking back at that last meeting, I mean, you lost one nil, but and it was a bit of a weird game. Like it was, it was quite tight. You know, they scored that one goal through Marcus and off a mistake. It felt like it was almost destined for a goal of straw. But you guys had your chances in that game. When you came out of that, what was the messaging from CT? Because it's not like they sort of humbled you guys in any way. It was a really tight game, and you beat them at home earlier in the year. Do you take confidence out of that? That you know you're right with them. Like you can knock them off. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Nolsey wasn't playing. Oscar, mm. that's when he got his mm. injury and then they scored a few minutes after he went off. Like you said, from a bit of a mistake, they scored and the keeper had a blind. He, he saved a couple of you know, rippers earlier in the game. Um, so, yeah, we, we came away from that. Obviously disappointed because our minor premiership title hopes pretty much you know faded that night. And it was obviously disappointing because we'd been neck and neck with them all year. But credit to them, they kept going and, and they've nutted out gritty one nils and, and, and tight wins all year, which isn't easy to do. Um, so, like I said, not, we'll take nothing away from them, but we have to be confident that, that we can knock them off this weekend and they're definitely not unbeatable by by any means and you know, we'll have our best 11 out on the park you know, again, which which hasn't been a constant this year for us. So that gives us every opportunity to, to win it all this weekend. Do you pay much attention to the the strengths and and weaknesses of South? Because obviously, in referencing the the, the previous game, you had a few people, a few important, you know, Noel, Joe Knowles, obviously, the, one of the most important attackers out for that game, which is sort of something that South are obviously dealing with at the moment. Their their golden boot is now gone off to India. Um, you know, hasn't didn't exactly hurt them in the semi final. They got the result in the end, but they're a bit of a different kettle of fish, I guess. Whereas you guys. Are have got this uh, attack that has played together. Basically, everyone's fully fit now. We know what they can do. Does that maybe that that sort of contrast in the in the front lines maybe give you guys a bit of an edge? Do you feel? I mean, look, everyone deals with injuries and and, and things like that through the year, particularly in the, the season, such a long one. Yeah, you know, we've played so many games, but their their backline's very very solid. They've conceded hardly any goals the least amount you know of anyone this year so although our front line is is very potent we have to respect just how good their defense is as well so um although like you said they pose a different threat up the other end for us being harrison's a different beast he's, he's a massive unit and he draw he he draws you know two three defenders at okay, a time like a big him, vortex so. up front he mm. just sucks everyone else in absolutely with Absolutely. So, look, it, am I glad he's not playing? Absolutely, but it mean it doesn't. It doesn't mean that you know, whoever steps in for him, whoever they decide to play up there, or mm. whatnot, is you know is any less of a threat. We still have to you know do our homework and pay attention to that. But yeah, it's it's definitely a massive plus for us that he's not playing, and the fact that we're full strength 
in our attacking half is, you know, it, it's obviously beneficial for us. Does the venue come into consideration, Matt? I mean, City Vista, you know, you no one's played there in, at least at a top-tier level this year. I mean, obviously, they've been the home of Georgies and this is as neutral as it gets. Does that play into anything? I mean, obviously, nothing really changed in terms of, you know, the rules or anything like that. But obviously, it's an unfamiliar sort of, you know, set of circumstances, an unfamiliar venue for you guys. Does that come into consideration at all? A little bit. I mean, I was having a conversation with someone earlier, like, it's weird for myself. I've been around so long and you know, playing a grand final at a place I've never played before is kind of weird. <laughs> um, yeah, usually I, my car drives itself to wherever the venue is and I'm on autopilot. I know where the change rooms are, where, what to do and all that. So just little things like that. It is a bit different. I mean, yeah, it's a interesting choice of venue, I'll, I'll say. But you know, at the end of the day, both teams have to play there and we'll, we'll make the trek out there on Sunday and, and, and we'll deal with it when we get there. Feel free not to, to answer this if you don't want to, but are you a little bit disappointed that it's not at a bigger venue? Because obviously there's been a lot of talk amongst, you know, a lot of fans and a lot of people in Football Victoria circles. You you played in that, that, that game against Oakley when you were at South in that grand final where big atmosphere at Lakeside Stadium, you know. Are you a bit disappointed that there's not that opportunity for to get as many people in and City Vista's a little bit more of a smaller venue? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's very disappointing from the Federation that we have to play play out there. No disrespect to that venue, but at the end of the day, it's the first grand final post-COVID. Like, you'd want to put on a bit of a show, whether it be... Like, I, I, I probably prefer it not to be at Lakeside, obviously because it's South's home ground, but it does bring a certain type of atmosphere and you know, we'd bring our own set of fans and a lot of more neutral fans will, will come down. It's a, it's a more of a central venue. I mean, I don't know if Amy Park was ever on the, on the table, if that was too expensive or whatnot, but at the end of the day, it's the showpiece event of, of our league, of our season. And for it to be out, I don't want to say out there, like I said, I don't mean any disrespect, but for it to be out there is a little bit disappointing for us because both teams, we feel like we've earned playing on the big stage in front of as many people as possible at the best venue possible. Um, I just feel like, yeah, minimal thought and effort was put in by whoever it was that decided for us to play out there. Well, it's it's going to be a, a bit of a different one for you in the sense you'll have to think about where you're going. You'll have to actually pay attention to the navigation, to the Apple Maps or I don't know what your preferred navigation system is, but uh, you'll have to actually pay attention to it as opposed to Lakeside or Jack Edwards where you don't really have to think about it too much. But at the end of the day, the uh, the prize, the, the objective will be the absolute same as it would, you know, even if it was played at, I don't know, the home of the Yarra Jets, for example. Um, it will be, you know, obviously, the NPL Victoria Grand Final. You've been there you've climbed the mountain before but it's a different beast to to do it with Oakley to do it with them for the first time and to do it with a club who you've been at before you know you were there sort of before you went on to victory where would this sort of rank amongst your personal achievements to to lift the NPL Victoria title with with the Cannons yeah it would be massive I mean like when I first came my first full year back after being a professional was at South and you know we, we were I say fortunate enough, we were good enough and fortunate enough to win it and it was super special. We had such a great bunch of guys and obviously CT and the rest of the coaching staff but this one's a little bit different. This one's a little bit more personal for me. My, my family has a lot of connections to Oakley and the club and the people around the club and yeah, I, it, it, it feels like a, a second home for me. I know so many of the older people, so many of the sponsors. Um, this club's been, when I say starved of a, a championship it's been so close so many mm. times and to be part of a team that 
finally brings that to, to the great people of the club, the sponsors, the president, everyone, it, it would mean a lot. I mean, and obviously the playing group itself, we're, we're such a tight bunch of boys and we, we, you know, we've been through so much this year, but that aside to, to do it for the club would, would be amazing because we, we've seen this year, particularly in all the massive games we've played, just how much it means to these people. And yeah, it'd be amazing if we can, we can bring them that premiership that they deserve. Mm. The other element of City Vista, of course, is with the amount of people you expect to turn up. Uh, everyone's going to be packed in quite tight. People will be a- a- against the fence. And obviously, we all enjoyed seeing you a few weeks ago have some some good back and forth with Heidelberg. There's been the stuff in the penalty shootout with South fans before. Are you looking forward to the chance to in such a big game? Because we know you're someone who can, you know, maybe have that conversation, but then also be a, a top pro on the pitch. You can do both at the same time. Some people can't. Are you looking forward to the chance to have a, a bit of a... Uh, witty repartee uh, during the big dance? Yeah, it's one of my favourite pastimes. So I'm, <laughs> glad, I'm glad that everyone will be jam-packed as tight as they can. And I love when, when people yell and scream and say stuff to me because, yeah, I'm, I'm someone who'll give it back. I don't really mind. And sometimes it takes people by shock a little bit that someone's actually saying something back to them but it spurs me on I use it as motivation it doesn't distract me from the game at all it it actually fuels me so if they're quiet it's a little bit boring for me so I feel like if they they try and get stuck into me it it spurs me on a little bit so I'm um yeah I'm looking forward to it like I said I, I haven't played there before so if they're up against the fence and giving me their best I'll I'll be there I'll be looking forward to it well, Matt, we'll let you go. We'll let you get to training for tonight. Obviously, you know, good luck for Sunday. Good luck for next Wednesday as well against MacArthur. I mean, we've spoken so much about the grand final, but of course there still is that semi-final against MacArthur on, on Wednesday where you have that opportunity to go into another cup final and take home what would be another piece of silverware potentially. So, again, good luck for both games. Should be an absolute cracker. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Are you looking to change your destiny in life? Be your own boss? Start your own business? If you are, you need people who understand your needs and are committed to helping you make it happen. At DKP and Co Chartered Accountants, we are more than just accountants. We are business advisors, taxation consultants and strategists that specialised in setting up businesses. We understand the client and give them the very best customised advice and strategies to achieve their goals. Visit our website, dkpco.com.au, or give us a call today on 03 9023 Fast, proactive, personal. That's DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants. Since 1998, Lanco Group has been providing superior civil engineering solutions and advice to developers, local government and service authorities across Australia. Lanco Group is known for delivering sustainable, efficient solutions. By working closely with clients, Lanco Group is able to meet the complex infrastructure requirements for residential, commercial and industrial developments on time, on budget. Find out more at lancogroup.com.au. Lanco Group, your business partner for engineering solutions.
Welcome back to the MPL Victoria pod. We've gone close to two hours. We've gone that long. Um, we did, that we've we even didn't promise. It's only fair that we deliver. Yeah, on we've gone promise. that long that even had that a bloody wardrobe changing between. To be fair, that we often promise an hour and then go over. So we we oh, yeah. we're over delivering this time. We're just delivering to the level promise, which I think is okay. Absolutely, I'll especially be- if that level promise is two hours. Well, if you've missed any of the show today, head over to our podcast platforms later on, uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get them, full interviews with uh, both Brad Norton, Matthew Fashini, our discussion regarding the grand final venue. Um, obviously, that sort of has dominated the discourse in regards to the build-up to the game, that a lot of what's going to happen between the white lines on the pitch has kind of been forgotten in the build-up, mm. which is really unfortunate because it's going to be a massive game on Sunday down at City Vista or well, if the game even still happens at City Vista because you know if you listen to certain people, some people will tell you, well, I reckon the game might get moved. Mm. Um, but for the time being, nonetheless, even if you're listening to this in a few days' time, the game, at least at this point on Tuesday evening, is happening at City Vista. Yeah, and, and I, do, I do want to touch on um, a point that someone raised with me earlier uh, online, which is that a lot of the discourse about the... Um, you know, the grand final venue decision has mainly centered around the men's grand final and not spent enough time sort of thinking about the women's grand final element because, of course, it's worth considering we're talking, you know, and a lot of the focus has been on, well, Oakley and South, they're not from Fraser Rise, they're not from around that area. Yeah. Um, why, you know, why are we sending these people out of the way? But then at the same time, colder, you know, they are from... The West. They do, you know, the Western United men's side has trained in that area. Before. That is their there. area, but also that probably speaks to our point from before about, well, if you want to cater to both, maybe this is a situation where if you are, as you want to do, you know, give the home side advantage to the person who finishes top, then maybe this is a situation where we could have had a really good women's grand final at Georgie's mm. and we could have had the men's grand final Somewhere else, I don't know. We might not have had to have them the same. But if you're gonna, if you're gonna have them together, you have to have a venue that caters for absolutely everything. And this does that with the four change rooms. Does it cater for it in terms of it is able to handle the capacity of both crowds throughout the day? And yeah. particularly from the seated perspective, where we're thinking about elderly people, people with disabilities, I'm just not sure that for a men's or a women's grand final that. Um, you know, Geordies may do that adequately throughout the day or adequately when compared to the other options that were available. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, home field advantage uh, or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're bang on there, mate. And I think that's something to certainly, you know, that there has been forgotten in this whole thing is that this is technically by some letter of the extent, is also a call the United home game, even though, you know, there's been a big deal about South Melbourne playing a home grand final. That, yeah, you know, but nothing about the, the fact women's. that it's been moved closer but, to Georgia. Yeah, so it's just so many different moving Can parts. we have the grand it's, final at the Venn? That's what I'm asking. You know what, mate? Yeah, then Boleyn gets advantage. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, but hey, I'm you know joking. what? If the grand final wants to be at the Venn, you know what? Like, the that means Lockie. But, Lockie, look, that would uh, be great. But okay. I, 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 happen, I, think, but. I think we should... Put a cork in it for now because yeah. we don't want to fall victim to what has been 
what's been happening during the week, which is the game completely being lost. Let's yeah. have, let's, let's actually talk about the X's yeah, and O's of the game, let's, shall we? Let's go into it. I mean, it's a massive game between South Melbourne and Oakley. Both these sides, they met twice during the season. Uh, didn't meet in the Australia Cup. No. They met in the Australia Cup last year. Yeah, but not South this knocked year. them out on penalties, but, but not this obviously year. Obviously this year, uh, Oakley winning the first game back on Easter Monday. It yeah. was Easter Monday, a 3-2 win. It was 2-1. Was, was 2-1. Two, 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 one. One. Was yeah. it 2-1 or was it 3-2? It was 2-1. The Heidelberg, you might be thinking of the Heidelberg game that was on Queen's birthday that was 3-2 to Heidelberg. I swear. It was 2-1. I, I was there. That's right. Yeah, you were calling that game. I was. Probably, well, yeah. yeah. No, I was there. Yeah, that's right, Liam. Um, but anyways, nice. in regards to then they met again in the second game down at Lakeside, which was ostensibly the 2022 Premiership decider uh, that South Melbourne won that game 1-0. It was actually, to an extent, the 2021 Premiership decider. Well, it could have been. Oakley ended up winning it, but they uh, ended up losing that game and having a loss anyway. Um, But it was Marcus Schroen scoring the win of that game after a Nick Feely mistake. This time around, Lockie, and you know what? I feel like we have to talk about it. This is the other thing that we've forgotten about in this whole thing. Nick Feely's not playing. Louis Italiano is, Louis Italiano is. And there are pockets of South Melbourne fans that are not happy with this decision that Louis Italiano was granted an exemption to play this game after FA grants him the exemption to play in the Australia Cup. Obviously, Nick Feely injured. Lockie Hart, the backup, injured for the rest of the season. The under-18 goalkeepers injured to the point they had to put their under-14s goalkeeper as their backup against Sydney FC. And my God, I would have felt just... It would have been a... like. Oh, the thought of if he had to actually go on the field, it would have been hearts in mouth kind of stuff. No, no disrespect to young Emo, but still, nonetheless. Um, South Melbourne fans weren't too happy about it. Um, I mean, they have a reason to be annoyed about it. Definitely have a reason to be annoyed about it because it is, you know, Oakley being given an exemption outside of the rules. To The rules have been bent yeah, I mean, I, to an might... extent. But I understand it because if it's good enough for FA... To allow him to do it in the Australia Cup, it's good enough for FV to do it in the finals. And all I can see is happening, and God forbid this happens in the grand finals. I can just see it. Anything that Luis Italiano does in the grand final is going to be scrutinised to the an absolute to the absolute T. Yeah, South Mel, if he makes a winning save. That is not going to go down well with South Melbourne fans. Imagine goes to penalties, and he saves a winning penalty. Uh, yeah, I mean he'd be he's he's going to be public enemy be number one. But yes, it's not even his he'd fault. also be it's, working off a pretty high but, ceiling, considering how well. Nick yeah, Feely but the thing the is though, he's shooter. not. But it's not like it's Luis Italiano's fault. He's just the guy that's been given the exemption. This is something that I think South fans would have the gripes with FV and of course with Oakley for you know trying to get this yeah. exemption. I mean, I, I think I think. Um, <laughs> To be honest, I think what else has occurred since that Italiano decision has taken a lot of heat off the signature of Luis Italiano. And look, I, I, I again, in the case of the, the venue, I, I sympathise um, with South fans in particular who feel aggrieved about the decision. I understand their, their concerns. I might, you know not have people agree with me on this one, but that's okay. I, I don't have as much sympathy in this regard. I do think, as you said, if if circumstances are now eight goalkeepers injured, I think is, I'm not sure where that figure officially has come from, but it definitively, without a doubt, Oakley's two senior listed keepers have fallen to injury, long-term mm. serious injury. Um, 
I think that is justification, as it was for Football Australia, to allow an extra player to come in. And the 21s keeper as well was also, um, I think... Yeah, George, George Bitsios. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... <laughs> they were down in I don't, their I don't know. I don't think Football Victoria can necessarily take yeah, the flag for this one. The precedent was there for them... To Brandon White. Uh, no, but no, no, no. The precedent no? was there for them from Football Australia. Oh, football Australia, football, uh, yeah, yeah. football Australia the made the decision. Yeah. It's easy for Football Victoria to go, well, if they've made the call, then so, so, so too can we. Yeah. And with Brendan White, yes, Nick Harris is a 21-year-old keeper. But and I guess some of the criticism of has been, well, why were Oakley allowed to sign a replacement? But Heidelberg United, when Brendan White got injured, were not allowed to sign a replacement, which I can understand. But despite the fact Nick Harris is young, he is still a senior. He played he, a lot. He, of he football, qualifies yeah. for the twenty ones, but he's a senior listed keeper. He had already played a handful of games to this point this yeah. season. He started in goals the last time uh, Brendan White was injured to start the season, and has done a pretty yeah, reasonable job when he has been in the fold. So, I don't think that drawing yeah. the parallels between those two situations isn't necessarily fair. Yeah, and I think if Lockie Hart was fit. There'd be no issue. Lockie Hart would be starting. And again, it's the same thing as again. Heidelberg. Lockie yeah. Hart did start a handful of games during yeah, the season. And Lockie Hart year. is, I think, a really good goalkeeper. I really rate him. Um, but nonetheless, <laughs> to the actual football, um, the first bit we want to talk about: who replaces Ben Jeeber and Andy Brennan? Andy Brennan definitely out, based off what Brad, Brad Norton was saying, or at least he'll be under a. He'll be given every chance. So Ben Jeeber, there's no chance. So you think Morgan Evans slots in at right back for this game? Obviously, yeah, he came in, so. and you know he's going to get that opportunity. Um, should Andy Brennan not start, though? My God, is that a seismic hit to South Melbourne's attack? Losing both Harry Sawyer and Andy Brennan this season. Now, Andy Brennan hasn't scored, but his work off the ball has been great for him all year. So a lot of it will then fall onto the shoulders of Alan Webb, Max Mikola, and Marcus Schroen as well. Both Marcus Schroen might have to occupy a more attacking role, or Pat Langlar might have to as well, because they brought on Josh Wallen last week when um, when uh, Brennan got hurt. They didn't even turn to Jai Ingham. Who would have think Jyingham would have been licking his lips at Harry Sawyer going down? They decided mm. against that. He would have been licking his lips at the opportunity when Andy Brennan went down initially. He didn't get that first opportunity. So I wonder, will that change for the grand final? Or will they go with Wallen and maybe go with a bit more of a defensive outlook? Because, I mean, we know what South are going to do, right? We know that if they get that early goal with whoever's on the pitch, especially with that lineup, if they have Wallen on, they're going to put 11 behind the ball and they're going to seek to frustrate the absolute hell out of Oakley. But if this is a dogfight, I don't know if that has enough firepower to get the job done. Because, you know... Really? South's defense is getting back to full strength now, Lockie. Like, it's pretty much... As you mean Oakley's defense? Oakley, sorry. With Fashini, with Dylan, with Pantazopoulos, with Williams. It's pretty damn close to full strength. I know Miller and Aliopoulos are out. It is good. The, the concern... See, the concern I would have had if Sawyer was playing is that, you know, maybe Aaron Williams and Oscar Dillon are be undersized. Yeah, not, 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 not gargantuan. I mean, I think the other the other name that you may be missing from the mix and the person who started uh, in a fullback role to begin this season when Ben Jibber, I think, was coming back from a, a separate injury uh, was Pe- was Perry Lambropoulos. So yeah. maybe there's a case for, I'm pretty sure he is a former Oakley player, to, to give him the start, but it would be a big opportunity for Morgan Evans. Um... I really don't. I really don't know. I think they're going to go with exactly the same lineup that they did once Jeeber and Brennan went down against Gully. Yeah, I think they're going to go with that. The squad and even then, the the squad is so 
deep still with two injuries that look it's hard not to sort of think about this game and yes green gully are a different beast but was south at their best in that game no they've had i don't know i feel like there's been a few times where south have not been at their best but there's enough individual quality out there to find a goal if it's a wonder strike like the one we saw from alan webb or if it's the goal that won them the premier's plate which is a bit of a scrapper or the goal that won them the game last time against oakley both of those goals coming from um long throws yeah yeah, and from marcus schroen um against dandenong city and oakley respectively Mm. they do have enough quality to just generate that that one moment. Yeah. And once they have that one moment, once they can defend their lead, they're almost impossible mm. to break, to Marcus penetrate. Schroen basically played striker last week when Andy Brennan went down. They didn't play Webb up top. Schroen led the line. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. If Schroen is leading the line, that is a completely different dynamic um, compared to the... The, the tall task, as Matt Faschini put it, no pun intended, of Harry Sawyer and even Andy Brennan, who is a player who's going to cause all sorts of havoc with his pressure, his off-ball movement. He hasn't scored goals, but it's his work off the ball, which is so key for them. But it's, as you mentioned, Lockie, for South Melbourne, all they need is one moment. And it and might can. be that Alan Webb, you know, and- bomb, or it might be from a long throw for Max Mikolo, or whatever it might be. It might be a scrapper. Yeah, and the problem for, for Oakley as well is, I mean, we've spent so much time talking about Oakley's goalkeeper for this game in Lewis Italiano. But even if you are able to find an o- opening past this defence of South Melbourne, uh, Harvey Lopez is obviously now officially been enshrined as keeper of the season and he has more than earned that, that title. Right, yeah. Even with the defence in front of him, he's still... Made the most saves. Uh, sorry, not made the most saves in the league, but his save percentage is the best in the mm. league. He saved a heap of big chances. He's made a bunch of outstanding saves. And Oakley, a side who have scored, I think, three-plus goals in, I think, 17 of their games this season, which is crazy, a pretty remarkable crazy. figure, um, have only been able to score, you know, two across two separate games for against against South. You obviously, um, I was there for the first yeah. one. You were there for the second. I was there for the first game. I just forgot the scoreline. Ah, yes. <laughs> of course. I was there, but uh, unfortunately, I thought it was a 3 2. But they, they did have chances in that second yeah. game to potentially equalize. They did. But as, Harvey Lopez as, was as there. Fish said, you know, they, Harvey Lopez was brilliant all game. And Joe Knowles didn't play. Oscar Dillon got hurt in that game. So they had to go to Ryan Losty in defense that day. Um, but that goes to my next question at the, on the Oakley side of things. Do you start Joe Knowles? Because what he did off the bench as an impact oh. player against Port Melbourne got them to this position. But Chris Lucas has played exceptionally well for the past at all. Well, I actually thought it was just on that. I thought it was very interesting that when Chris when Chris Taylor decided to make that halftime substitution and release the beast, <laughs> Joe Knowles onto the yeah. field, he didn't take off Chris Lucas. He took off Wade Decker. So you have to wonder... Decker, and we have seen De- we have every- seen Dex drop to the bench this yeah. season a few times. I personally, I would start Joe Knowles on the bench. I think Joe Knowles off the bench for the last forty five minutes could be massive for them. It could be a way of almost the finishing starting lineup, almost in basketball terms, like having that twelfth man. But see, I, I worry that with that you sort of you do run the risk. I do understand that. You run the that, risk of chasing the of chasing the game, and South Melbourne are just. Like they're not, they're not a team you want to be chasing 
the game against. It's, yeah, but it's at really that, at hard to do that. At the same time, though, there still is enough quality for Oakley to take a lead with that front four if Knowles is starting or not. But no, but no starting gives you a much. Better, I know, I gives know. you a much better chance. Yeah, but you got to think. Okay, all right. Let, let me all right, let's let me refrain and let me go back and sort of rephrase what I was saying before that. If Joe Knowles is a hundred percent or ninety percent or whatever, you're starting him, right? But if he's still not anywhere near that and he's still struggling with injuries, then you probably have to look at starting Chris Lucas. Like you know, Chris. I Lucas think Chris is Lucas is going to start regardless. I okay, think, I right, think Decker right, might okay, be the okay, one. Okay, so who Decker out. then's the one, and that's going to be tough because I mean. You mentioned why Decker's dropped to the bench this year, Lockie, but he is their top goal scorer. I know a lot of them have come in like bursts and hat tricks here and there and all sorts of things, but he can score in big volumes as well. That's another thing to keep an eye on. I mean, there's all sorts of moving parts to it that, you know, either way, whoever starts in that front forward, that fifth player, that fifth spoke, whoever it is coming off the bench is such a great like sort of asset to have to come on in a game like this too i actually the other thing that is linked into this as well obviously you know supplying uh, the attackers having chances on goal is one thing but actually being able to break the lines of south is another against their compact you know obviously the 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 back Four five that can crop up because also let's not forget Lira Malmazi will like be playing in defensive yeah. midfield, but he drops in a lot of the time out of possession to really suffocate that area. Um, what's more important to me than are the forwards going to have shots is how are they going to be supplied? Who's going to be the player? Who can Joe guess there's a lot's going to be on his shoulders. A lot rests on his shoulders, and by extension, a lot rests on the shoulders of Lira Malmazi as to, you know, is he mm. given like a direct one-to-one kind of role? What sort of plan do they have in place for limiting the influence of Joe Knox? Because the other mm. thing that's become more and more prevalent in his game this season in particular, as we mentioned before, it's, what is it, 11 goals, 12 assists, or 12 goals, 12, 11, 12 goals, 11 assists. So, yeah. Even he as a goal-scoring threat is something really for them to have to South be on their guard about. And interestingly enough, Lockie, Lira Malmazi didn't play the last meeting. They went, I think it was Langlar and Schroen. Yeah, it was as the deeper players. A bit more attacking than usual. So you, do you they're, expect they're, no, no, they're not. I they're don't definitely expect not. Them but I'm just saying in terms of what we game, saw last time, yeah. it was different to what they did this time. And and to be honest, it actually worked really well for Oakley because in that first half, Oakley had a lot of freedom going forward. Mm. So seeing Almazi there, and to be honest, I would not be surprised if we see Almazi almost man-marking. Tagger. Literally old-fashioned tagger, Ryan Crowley. I think on the other side of the coin, though, um, the but again, it just sort of depends on where Marcus Schroen is going to end up playing. If he does operate mm. as that sort of false nine role, as you're saying, or maybe he's playing in behind an Alan Webb or something like that, is the role that uh, oh, yeah on the other side of the equation, Oliver Kubelay has yeah. to do. Because and Tyson Holmes, he is two of them, Tyson yeah. Holmes as well, but like more Kubelay's Kubelay's the more, more defensively. Yeah. I don't know the 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 way that he really has had. Um, I think an unheralded. Uh, underrated role in mm. this Oakley midfield and not his individual performances necessarily, but in the way what he does allows Tyson Holmes and Joe Guest to actually function and do mm. what they need to do, perform their roles, Yeah, really is something that I think a lot of people have, have perhaps overlooked. So how he does his job on mm. the ball, but also the work he potentially does to, to cover and track a Marcus Schroen who we know can be so clever and so intelligent with his sort of late penalty area entries, his ability to get in the mm. box and cause chaos. Obviously, remember what he did last time these two yes. sides played a grand final. And Chris Taylor will be well aware of that but as the well. the thing that 
gets me, Lockie, is that if South Melbourne go with Almazi and Wallen deep and they go with that front four, and I know that it took – they still beat Green Gully with it. I don't know if that's enough to beat Oakley. It's true. Because I know yeah. South Melbourne – just hold on. I know South Melbourne are the armoured tortoise and defensively they are – Almost they are one of the hardest teams, if not the, they are the hardest team to break down. But Oakley's the best attack in the league. Like this team can score, and you mentioned the stat before, they can score in large volumes, that they can hit you and hit you hard. If South aren't finding an avenue to goal, we are discounting that Oakley's defense is not, they're not any walk in the park when they're at full strength to break down. Even Sydney FC found it hard to break them down a couple, or last week, you know, like, you know, Having Oscar Dillon back is such an underrated part of this whole thing that he just solidifies that defence so much alongside Aaron Williams, who I think's had an exceptional season. And Anthony Pantasopoulos at left back, who I think is going from strength to strength. Matt Fischini, Louis Italiano between the sticks. And of course, having Oliver Kubelay there is playing Schroen as a nine. That is a massive, massive risk because a, you yeah. don't have that same... It's not having Soy. It's not having Brennan. I think, honestly, this is the game you need to start joining him. I think this is the game that, you know, Esteban Quintas needs to release the handbrake a little bit. I also feel like there's a bit... If Jai Ingham hasn't been playing all season and has been a super sub all this time, there must be a reason. Yeah, but the thing is, Jai Ingham's got that individual quality. That's all South need. One moment from Jai Ingham. He's got that ability to take on a man, to get past the yeah, play down I, I mean, I think you're being a little bit unfair to Marcus Schroen. No, 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 like but that. I'm because, saying that Marcus Schroen... I mean, he's got that individual quality yeah, by sure. himself. But Marcus Schroen is a different proposition to Harry Sawyer and Andy Brennan as a number nine. If Marcus yeah, Schroen is playing Ingham's behind... Not, uh, Ingham's not six foot five I and know, burly. Still, Ingham is that, that, that pace, that dribbling ability to really burn past play. I'm not yeah. saying anything away from Marcus Schroen, but let's say play, Schroen playing behind the ball because I think he can do more damage playing behind the ball, playing it those probably, It probably frees him up a little yes. bit to be a bit I just sneakier. think you're limiting Marcus Schroen playing him as a number nine. I think if you play Schroen as a 10 and you have Mikola and you have Webb out wide or even Webb leading the line and you play Ingham out wide... I think you're getting a lot more. There's a lot more dynamism in that front line. Mm. I don't. I yeah, think you're I'm, limiting I'm, yourselves a little bit. And you play Langla and Almazi deep, or Schroen and Almazi deep, and you play Langla further forward. You've got that option. I just think you are limiting that. And I know that yeah. then off the bench you're thinking, oh, but we don't have then that extra option to bring on if we're chasing the game. But at the same time, though, you want to try kill the game off early, right? You don't want to let this game go for too long. South will want to put this game away. The longer the game's nil nil, the better it is for Oakley. Because South want to kill the game off and put numbers behind the ball and suffocate Oakley. They want want this game to become a scrap fight because let's be real, Lock, if this game becomes a scrap fight, Oakley's winning it. Do you think? If the game becomes open and scrappy, Oakley's winning it. Okay. If the game if the game is stretched, think about Oakley playing that 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 quick style when the, the game is stretched at Jack Edwards, that front four, there's too much quality. And I mean, that, I think that's, South that's, would probably look at those conditions and say those are conditions where we're also really absolutely, strong. Absolutely, but, but still, but I think, honestly, Oakley's front four has more firepower than South's. Lockie, come on. Yeah. no, I Like, without Harry Sawyer there and Andy Brennan, that is a massive hit. That's true. The, the and, Brennan... of course, the other part of this is, I think Morgan Evans is, is a 
brilliant player. I think he's got a lot of potential and everything. But that's a, a, losing someone in your back four for a big game like this, it can throw things out of whack a little bit. You know, losing Ben Jeeb is a big one. We said the same thing about them losing Harrison Soy, though. They're still getting the results. But they aren't. They haven't been nearly as convincing. Well, I, and that, that was one thing I wanted to say earlier. Like, yes, they got the result against Gully, got a 1-0 win. But also to defend a lead against... Gully compared to Oakley. Oakley, who not only all the goals you've mentioned before, but statistically they are the best finishing team of any side. Their chance conversion rate is the mm. highest amongst the league. I think it's 18.1% or, yeah, it's or something crazy. like that. Like one, It's almost one in every five shots that they have that, you know, on mm. target in the back of the net. Um, so if they can live up to those numbers, which crucially is something they did not do Last time these sides met, they didn't take their chances and then South Melbourne were able to get that goal from the long throw. Um, if that trend repeats itself, then I think South will be going ahead. All but, right. but if Oakley do get those chances in the first half like they did the previous time these two sides met, if they take them... But they got to beat Javi Lopez as well. If as they the take thing, yeah. them, which is a big if, then I think... It's going to go a long way. I don't want, uh, like I said, I don't want this to boil down to he who scores first wins. But I do increasingly wonder if this is going to be a game that may well have end like that. I haven't got this south the top of my head, but once South have taken a lead this season, have they ever surrendered it? I'm not sure. I'll have to. I'll do some digging. Like I'm actually, I'm actually curious. Maybe as we before we wrap up, we'll try get pull that stat up. Um, Lockie, just. Quickly, before we get to our predictions, who's the one player from each team that's the key to this game? So winning this game, who is the one player from each team? Who is your your one player from South and one player from Oakley? I, I, can't, I kind of said it before in the case of South. I do think it's Harvey Lopez. Yep. If he puts in another one of these spectacular performances that we've seen, if he works together with that defense, if they do their job, he does his. I mean, South are going to be very hard to beat um, and they can get, even if that's just getting them to penalties and there's still a very good chance because Javi Lopez is, again, very, you know, can be useful in that sort of a situation as well. I think he's the key for South. Um, if he has a good game, Oakley are going to find it very hard, regardless of how good a finishing team they are or not. That'll be irrelevant if the keeper's playing out of his skin. Um, and from an Oakley perspective, Knowles, I think, is the obvious choice. Yeah. I think it's the obvious answer. Uh, and rightly so, as we said, reigning gold medalist, um, brilliant season. But we still don't know if he's going to start this game. We don't know how many minutes he's going to play, whether it'll be 70, whether it'll be 45, whether the game's going to go to extra time. I think it's Joe Guest because, sure. as I said, having those shots on target is one thing. Actually getting it through the defensive lines, mm. the blocks, the low blocks that South set up, especially how deep they can drop, how tight they can make those lines, how little space they afford in between them. You need to be a master craftsman with the ball at your feet to try yeah. and work out where the passing angles are, where the avenues through on goal actually exist. And no one is better at doing that. In my opinion, no one is better at doing Guess. that in this competition than Joe Guest. And we saw him we saw him do it for, for the winner against Port, did mm. we not? Yeah. I mean, Port again, the second best to side defensively mm. behind South Melbourne. Yes, Oakley had a hard time before Joe Knowles' equaliser getting through and breaking the lines, but when they did, usually it was Joe Guest. And the winner, yes. Port made a little bit of a defensive error that coughed up the ball to Oakley in a promising mm. position. But the Port back four was still deep. 
It was still deep. It was still defending deep. And out of nowhere, Joe Guest is able to find this reverse pass to Knowles, which Mm. I don't think anyone really saw. Michael Eager, who is an experienced top-quality defender, he didn't see it coming. Yeah, through it goes, and Joel no- Joe Knowles is able to supply the finish from yeah. you know pretty close range. If if Joe Guest can do that even once in this game, I think they're I'm in host. Yeah, so he's the key. Yeah, uh, for me, for South Melbourne, I am going to go with Max Mikola. In terms of having that one moment, I think it's going to be Max Mikola. Whether it's a long throw or whether it's something from his feet. Having something that he's dazzling, dribbling, whatever it might be, I think it'll be Max Mikola. Oh, we have seen that for him. Yeah, Max Mikola, I think, is the is the one for South Melbourne who I think is a player that could win the game off his own boot. For Oakley, for me, the understated role in all this. You mentioned Joe Guest being able to play those balls in, but one player is going to be able to break those lines for them, and he might have to play the unselfish role in all this, is Daniel Clark. Playing that role of literally a decoy, a player who's going to be able to stretch the fences with his pace, being able to draw players out of position. He knows these South Melbourne players. Right, he knows this system. Up. That's true. Daniel Clark, I think, is going to be key to this. And I think if he can get going, use his, his, his smarts, be able to draw players out, use his engine, because his engine is unbelievable. He can run all day. He can even play deeper if he wanted to. Just stretch and stretch and stretch be so, so important for them. So that's something as well to certainly keep an eye on. I have got the stat, Lockie, about South Melbourne. Three times this year have they been pegged back. Actually, they've actually lost the game after leading or dropped Against points. Heidelberg? Is that so, 1-1 right? draw with Dandy Thunder. Yep. The... 2-1 loss against Heidelberg at the Village, where Ivan Franjic scored they, the famous, took the, uh, took the the famous winner. And uh, Port Melbourne later this season. Yes. The 2-1 win right. for Port Melbourne. So that's the only three times this season that South Melbourne have been pegged back and gone on to lose or drop points. There's been other times when they've lost when they've been behind, other times that they've been pegged back, but they've hit the lead again. But it's very rare that once they go, once they go ahead, they're going on to win. Now, Lockie, predictions time. Who wins and why? And the scoreboard, of course, as well. Scoreline, sorry. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say one nil South Melbourne. I don't know. I just, I know that you think and have argued the case that Oakley have got the superior front three in terms of numbers, in terms of their their quality, and I think that's fair enough. But I think you are discounting the quality that South bring to the table. We saw this. No, come no, to, I'm, not, I'm not discounting. We saw it. This come, I'm not discounting. We saw it. this come to the fore against Green Gully, where you know they, they weren't exactly bashing Green Gully by any stretch of the imagination. But they found that one moment of quality off the long throw. Alan Webb unleashes this ripper half volley, and then they were able to conserve from there. I don't. I know that Oakley are a different kettle of fish in an attacking sense. Mm. But I still think, even with the injuries, South have got enough quality to find that one moment. And once they get it, usually they can hold from there. I'm going to correct you on that. I wasn't discounting. I was saying that I think that Oakley's is superior, which I think is fair enough. I'm not saying there's a bad attack. I'm just saying Oakley's is a little bit better. No, no. I just think it's closer than perhaps you were. I'm not. not, No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying there's like the 10th best attack in the league with that. I wasn't, I wasn't accusing you no, of such. I'm saying that it is not as good as Oakley's on, on that, those numbers alone. You, you said it yourself about the shot conversion. Like Oakley's is Oakley the best attack in the league. I think South's is up there. And I think with that front four, it does drop off a little bit. 
I think at their best, with if they had Sawyer and they had, you know, um, Brennan as well, it's competing right up with Oakley. But I think Oakley, just of what they can do, their attack is the best in this league. And they've shown it throughout the whole year. For my prediction, though, 1-1 goes to penalties. Wow. And South Melbourne win on penalties. I get a feeling that it could come down to goalkeepers again, and I get this feeling that if Harvey Lopez is going to be the key, as you said, and it goes to penalties, he's going to produce some magic. But far out. I, I'm not going to lie, Lockie, this game is it, it really is such a hard game to pick. And you know what? It, it, it's the two worthy sides in my I know Port Melbourne have had a great year, and not discounting what they've done this season has been – they've been tremendous in what they've done. But the two best teams in the league are in this grand final. South Melbourne and Oakley. Oakley was second and they were neck and neck all year until Oakley had those injuries late in the season and they went into that 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 wall yeah, of games. The two teams have had the best best years. And Oakley, you know, they are on the precipice of achieving history in terms of winning the NPL Victoria, but also as well winning potentially making the Australia Cup well, final. Well, even they've made history by yeah, making the semis. semis so. Yeah, it's it's an amazing year for them. And no matter what happens from here, it's a big tick for everyone involved at Oakley and as well for everyone at South Melbourne. It's been a tremendous season. For what South have done from coming from the, the doldrums of the last few years, I think that a lot of clubs can look at it, particularly a team like Melbourne Knights, and look at what South Melbourne have done and been able to resurrect their club and get themselves right back up to the top of MPL Victoria. And for Oakley, well, it all comes down to this. And Lockie, I think that's where we should leave it. Um, we do thank everyone that's got involved throughout the show and gotten in touch. Um, you know, uh, all your comments, everything. We do thank uh, Brad Norton and Matt Fashini as well for jumping on a little bit earlier today and uh, parting us with their wisdom going into a yeah, big game as best well. Best of luck to them both. Absolutely. Uh, the weekend. Um, we're both going to be there on Sunday. So if you see us down at City Vista, just come say good day. Love to have a bit of a chat. Tell us what you agree with, what you don't yeah, agree absolutely. with. Yeah, sure absolutely. I'd love to hear it. it. Love to hear it all. Um, but of course, it all comes down to this on Sunday, 4 p.m. City Vista, South Melbourne versus Oakley. Missed any of the show, make sure you head over to our podcast platforms. It will all be up a little bit later. But for myself, Nick Tabana and Lockie Flanagan, we will be back next week for a grand final review and as well, some potential new segment to end the year. Just because the season's ending doesn't mean we end. Plenty of ticker in this studio right here. But sure. uh, we'll be back again next Tuesday. For myself, Nick Tabana and Lockie Flanagan, though, it's goodbye. 